to JoeRogan.net. I did it again. <laughs> did it again. Fucking idiot. I'm not a good spokesperson for weed. I'm really not. I mean, I am and I'm not at the same time. I'm, uh, you could use a lot of what I do against me. The Joe Rogan Experience podcast is brought to you by The Fleshlight. If you go to JoeRogan.net and click on the link for The Fleshlight and enter in the code name Rogan, you will get 15% off of the number one adult sex toy for men. Oh, shit, yeah. With that said, <clears throat> buckle up, bitches. Brian Cowan's in the motherfucking house. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. The Joe Rogan Experience. Brian Callen, my friend. Good to be here. Good to be here. My friend who at one point in time stopped doing stand-up. What? Boy, that is I correct. remember that. You the did? dark days. The dark it days of hanging out with actors. It's a long time, too. It was about oh, seven those years, right? motherfuckers. They got you. They actors. got you with all their stupid silliness. Well, you're, but he's in character. Hold on. They got you. You yeah. started wanting to be like them. You wanted to be accepted. You want to be cool. I want to make believe for a little Yeah, man. So, I just want to be down. That's it. Before we even get started, ladies and gentlemen, we're at Cobb's Comedy Club this weekend. It's me, Tom Segura, and Sam Triple. If you've never seen Tom or Sam, they're both fucking awesome. Funny dudes. Some of the funniest guys working today. Oh, and yeah. uh, I have my Cobb's Comedy Club mug here, my 25th anniversary. If you've never been, if you're a San Francisco person or anywhere in the north uh, west of Cal what is it Northwest California whatever Northern California it's a fucking great club it's a real a club where they really they you know Tom the guy who runs it really honors the art of stand up he he really loves it there's a few clubs like that you know there's Wendy in Denver and there's there's a few all throughout the country where the the owner the person who runs it really loves stand up yeah. and that's one of them so it's always great instead yeah. of being this corporate sort of you know Fuck yeah. It's a, well, you know what? I, I got to tell you, you know, people will complain about the improvs. I never, I think they're great. They are you know, great. You they know what I love? Because you, they, 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 it's clean. They take care of everything. It's run really well. It's, it's pretty cool. Yeah. What are you pointing at, Brian? Right. Oh, is that me? Yeah. Oh, I thought it was on. Um, um, yeah. You know, the thing is they guarantee you a good show. Right. It's guaranteed they're going to be taking care of the room. They're going to be making sure there's no hecklers. The waitresses are all be well-trained. The DJ all be on, on point. Mm -hmm. It's all the same experience. Exactly. It's just a little bit of different staffs, different staff. And, you know, in, um, uh, Kentucky, they put that, they, it's like they put emphasis on the fact that they go, if you come here and pay a, a premium, you're going to laugh your ass off for two hours. They're going to do, That's yeah, they're going to do gonna a good guarantee. job. Yeah. They know what the fuck they're doing. And yep. there's a lot of them, you know, but it's one of those good chains. Yep. You know, people go, oh, it puts out mom and pop clubs. Does it? Is it really? Is, is it ever put out one? And right. even if it, even if it does, maybe those mom and pop ones sucked. Right. Well, then can they, can they compete? That's the question. The, well, the problem is uh, I do hear that they do this when they tell you you can't work the other club. Well, I, I'm a member. I'm they Levity represents me. <laughs> right. And I love them. They financed my one hour just recently. They take so care Levity of me. is the people. But they who own. But, but Robert Hartman. Robert Hartman owns a lot of them, and he's a personal friend. And I'm going to tell you something right now. I'm not saying this because I'm on a podcast. That guy's a great guy. He's a great guy. He loves comedy. He's very competitive. He loves, though. Well, but I don't mind that. I mean, but but I think at the end of the day, those guys are they're they're they're. I would have said that they they only let you do the improvs. The fact is, I have a different booking agent now who's fantastic, um, Justin Edberg over at Super Entertainment. I get I get to do any club I want, and he books me out anywhere I want. So if you're with you them, don't have any gonna... pressure to no. only do the. Yeah, you know, I didn't know that Never. I had when I was at Gersh. Right. Gersh had some secret deal. Sure. With the improv, they're always going to have a secret. Exactly. They're it was have... really creepy because yeah. other clubs would tell me, like a, a few of them would say, "Hey, I've been trying to book you forever, and I could never book you." And I'd be like, "Really? Mm -hmm. I, you know, I never heard any of this." 
I never got any of the deals. Like Nashville, I never did Nashville when I was with Gersh. There's a lot of clubs that are, they just would, would ignore me. Yeah, because they have a relationship. They develop and they cherish those relationships because they can get more bang for their buck. It's always going to happen. But what, what I did is that's why you separate the powers. That's why you get a, a, a booking agent who's going to make his own money on you in his own way. Isn't it sort of, there's a fucking dance, man, between big business, which you can't have a fucking society like this without a big business. You know, but, and it but, extends from comedy clubs into let me pretty much anything. Let me give you an example of okay. why that's good and why it's bad. You, you, let's take, for example, have you noticed that when you travel the country, there aren't a lot of restaurants that are locally owned. So in other words, you don't see a lot of mom and pop restaurants with character. A lot right. of times you go into a, a, a place and you've got Hooters, Applebee's, you've got Applebee's and all. Why? Right. What happened? I don't want to eat that kind of food personally. I don't really like that kind of food. I'd rather have something with character. It's what, one of the reasons I live, you know, like what I like about New York or even Venice down you're so bohemian i'm very bohemian but but it, but it's individual expression and you know people come right. from venice and they cook their own kind of food i like that i person. appreciate that too yeah. there's something about that that's fun absolutely but but what's happened i think is that we have a very litigious society as you know right so if you for open people it, who are stupid that means people like to sue people they like to sue you sorry for you young kids i'm just really i'm really bombastic well, that means i use big words fuck. you'll sling those words around that's right yeah. So, what, is so it what good? happens is, is it bad? So, so if you open a restaurant, somebody gets food poisoning, and they sue you. You can you're you're a lot of times you better have really good insurance because mm. keeping up with those medical bills. If two people get to you know get uh, four people get E. coli or whatever it might be, and you have a local restaurant, we'll see you later. The reason that a lot of these restaurants take a chance of opening up is very hard to make a restaurant work anyway. The reason you you open a restaurant if you're P.F. Chang's, you got deep pockets, and you become a corporation. You can withstand any kind of bullshit you deal with when it comes to lawsuits, food poisoning, or whatever. Are they franchises? Are they all protected under the same umbrella financially Both. and legally? Both, actually. Yeah. The, ma the mother corporation that will, will create these subsidiaries so that if they do get sued, they can't come after the mother corporation. Right. So that's kind of how it works, but they got deep pockets financing everything. I do know? appreciate in mo the mom and pop aspect of it, but... You know, also, when you're in a town, you like to go to Best Buy and, you know, if you need Dude, a fucking it's laptop. It's a price. You it's, know what it's, I mean? Everything has a price. You want Walmart, it brings TVs down to $26. But, but you're going to pay a price in some ways. And how is that? One example is Main Street used to, it sprang up organically in the American city, right? You had Main Street and you had a bunch of little shops. And those shops were passed down generation to generation and everybody knew each other. There's something very charming and wonderful about that. But guess what? That costs money. It is not as efficient as, say, Target on one side, Walmart on the other. But you pay a price in another way, in my opinion. Anonymity, you're surrounded by beige walls, you have no connection to a continuum. You tell me the difference between Kansas City a lot of times and Columbia, Missouri when you, when you, when you walk down the street. We're becoming a very generic looking place and and the experience is generic you want to go shopping you go to an outdoor mall or an indoor mall depending on the weather and and you're going to find the same exact stores everywhere you go sure you can get anything you want but what at what price it's it's a little bit like you you buy food for texture and not taste and right. you want real taste in food it takes a lot of time it takes a lot of time in the kitchen to prepare some people don't care about it. Speaking that. of a lot of food, I love uh, that show No Reservations, one of my favorite shows. We talk about it on the podcast all the time. And one of the things he did was he went to New York City and he went to all the really, really old places where they own the building mm -hmm. and it's a family. He went to this Italian-owned uh, restaurant slash deli. That's, uh, God, I wish I remember the name because I, I have it saved on the DVR. It's so good. That show is the best show on television. Is that Anthony Bourdain? That's or? Anthony Bourdain. Yeah, it's Bourdain. the best show on television. Yeah. No, no ifs, ands, or buts. It's consistently excellent. Mm -hmm. He's on point. 
I just I love the way the guy thinks, the way he, he, he like really loves. Like he went to South Boston into this awesome episode on South Boston, and the way he fucking loves like a town, like a real town, yeah. which South Boston is. Yeah. And he went to these places in New York, and this one Italian bakery. Or it's like a deli, but not a bakery. It's got everything. You know, it's like all these canned meats and like like uh, meats hanging from, you know, like so dried amazing. meats and, and cheese hanging from the ceiling that. and shit. Like, and the guy who's running it had been working there since he was a baby. And he was in his 80s. He was old as fuck. His whole family you had been there. You can't buy that kind you of You can't stuff. buy it. That, 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 no, that is what we're losing yeah. in this country. That is exactly but what I'm But the thing about. is, they, they, the only way they could do this is if, one, they're stubborn old Italians, which is, this is a family business. They're not getting rid of the family business. Why would we get rid of the right. family business? Right. They're doing that, and, you know, and they own the building. They've owned the building forever. So that's the only reason why these exist. And it was, it's a fascinating thing to, to watch. And the, the fucking food looks so good. They had spaghetti with meatballs. Oh, my God. I wanted to go make the spaghetti with meatballs. I know. I was like, do I have you ground beef in the those... house? Do I have breadcrumbs? What the fuck can I do you, where you I You walk into a store like that, and you smell. You uh, smell 80 years of food. I mean, it's hard to explain you know and if someone lives in columbus ohio right like where you're from that's all that's mall city right yeah. isn't it well there's a, definitely a lot of malls but you also have like a lot of amish people so you have like the amish restaurants and you do have like a different kind you know of the amish they can really cook up a pie <laughs> they know how to fuck too <laughs> that's right <laughs> like rabbits with beards ladies and gentlemen rabbits with beards the weirdest thing about the amish did you ever see that documentary where they that what's that thing they do called rumskeller or something like yeah, that yeah whether they i guess when they're they graduate from high school they're allowed to go nutty they what it is to go nutty and then one which time means, in their life which means and then they get once the dance yeah they, they get, get to, dance to rock to and roll. they get to party yeah. they, they go crazy they go off they party they fuck they go nutty and then they they basically hit like spiritual emptiness like uh -huh. the full bore, like all at once, crash out. What most of America suffers yeah. from every single yeah. fucking crash day. out in a meth and cocaine <laughs> haze, and then they go, "I'm coming back to the church where everyone loves me." They're really, literally, completely unprepared. If you grow up in the Amish community, yeah. and you know, it's a very different kind of life. It's very weird. It's, it's very also a life cultish. that connects you to to a community and a very yeah. strong community yep. with history. And also, I think it's really easy. It's a lot easier in some ways to grow up that way because you're 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 given a there's very, the, the, your boundaries and the way to behave and the blueprint for mm -hmm. how to live your life is laid out for you. Right. And a lot of times we grow up in this country with no blueprint. You got to kind of make it up as you go along. But man. it's a funny blueprint. You might, must dress like Johnny Cash and not use electricity. <laughs> 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 what right. the, the fuck right. kind of blueprint is that, man? It's true. That's a weird blueprint, man. They, they smell too, man. As a kid. Whoa, going, hey, Brian, <laughs> Brian, Brian. This is a generalization. Are well, you going to be uh, racist against the Amish? This is where I draw the line. Oh, we had field trips to like the zoo and to okay. like the amusement parks right. and they would go in by like buses and that's one thing as a child growing up you were like who are these weird people smells dressed like, weird smells that like smell dough. like shit it smells and, like dough and hard work yeah. what the hell's going on here and they were also busted a lot for like having raves and stuff uh, all raves? the time in Columbus yeah like where they would catch a bunch of Amish people in a barn somewhere with a bunch of ecstasy like they, they, they're not all this like innocent well, that's the, probably the <laughs> Rumskeller or whatever yeah, right. it's called yeah. uh, god I would have to find the name of that because it's driving Rum, me Rumskeller nobody Rumble. I mean that's the thing you can as, as you can grow up a certain way, but once you put an idea in somebody's head, hey, this feels really good. Yeah, it's really rumspringa. That's what it's called. It's very difficult to to stop human nature. And human nature, when you push in one direction, they pull in another. I see it with my daughter. That's exactly I see it with the right. three year old. It's fascinating watching a little human being develop. And one of the things you know, and you have a daughter the same age, you know, you'll you'll know what I'm talking about. Like you can see where when you tell them not to do things, they want automatically to do it. Exactly. 
it's like it's so ingrained it's yeah, not something that you teach a baby no. they just it's autumn it's already in there there's a contrarian streak in a human mm-hmm. being it's why any any time you see in uh, uh, any government experiment in history in any society where it's a monarchy an oligarchy uh you know whether it's a uh, collectivist sort of nato we're all going to behave this way and these are the rules people rebel it never really works it has to that's a part of what yeah. what has made a human being a human being that's right. it's it's getting encoded into our genetics unquestionably and it's the reason why catholic girls are whores that's right. it's so simple when i was in high school all the catholic girls were sluts we all <laughs> knew it and we would joke about it she's in catholic <laughs> school oh shit we would go fuck she's in catholic school you knew that when you got that bitch alone and stuck a finger in her she was gonna go crazy she was gonna in your car. grab your dick like it was a rope hanging over a canyon and she fell out of an airplane and just caught it before sudden death like fucking Sylvester Stallone and Cliffhanger she's gonna milk that dick oh like it's the sweetest elixir I had, a, I had an she experience can't wait. where a girl, a girl was telling me about her relationship with the Lord she kept using the oh, word the nice. Lord so we had an argument which was fun and, uh, and, and you had an argument? And, yeah, and I quickly realized it was, you know, she didn't have a whole lot to base this on. It was just kind of, she had gone through some kind of a crisis and then latched onto the Lord. I banged her in her car two hours later. <laughs> two hours later, in, I'm sorry, in my car. I never forgot this. She's like, oh, I can't believe it. Uh, yeah, I know, I know. I can't believe I'm doing this. I can't either, but we have a connection. We connected. That's why all the religious girls, or I mean, all the whores back in high school now are religious, if you notice. Like, yeah, you know, they all have kids I used to be, I used to be so douchey. I have an, uh, an ultimate confession to make when any whenever the subject of religion would come up i was that guy i would be so douchey where i'd be like insulting to you if you believe something silly i would be not just dismissive but insulting it was it's such a stuff because it was no one's doing anything bad to me no but what is this there's something about you especially when i was young when i was like 18 i was really considering religion at one point in time i was very lost i was going to join the army uh, I was doing Taekwondo, and I heard the Army had a big uh, Taekwondo team. There's this kid named God, which Clayton, I think, Clayton Barber. The, uh, that might not be his name, but he was a high-level Taekwondo guy that fought for the Army. And I was like, wow, they pay for him to fight? All he has to do is like they give him some cushy office job, and then he gets to train all the time. So I was thinking about that, and uh, I was terrified of religion. I was terrified. Like whenever I'd fight someone and I knew that they were Christian, I would get really nervous. Because they had they had sort of they believed and they had a sort of inner strength. I thought, what if they were right? What if there's oh. a God? What if the God's looking out for them? That's interesting. You know, I really would think that. Like I remember one time this this guy, he was sitting on the sidelines on one knee reading the fucking Bible before we fought. Wow. And I was like, put that book away, you fuck. Put that book away. <laughs> like like he was gonna use some incantations Holy, on me. Holy Ghost power. I was nervous, man. I got nervous. But you know what that does? I think with the power of any kind of religion or anything, anytime you try to go beyond that which you can measure, I think a lot of belief has to do with less to do, to do with superstition and more to do. It's kind of the same it thing. Has to do it with, has to do with inspiration. So the, re, the same way you listen to a piece of music that gets you pumped to go mm-hmm. do something, I think people can do, derive the same kind of strength and inspiration from scripture. Sure. Whether, whatever well, I know be. they so, do. I yeah. know I have a good friend, and I'm not going to talk about him, but he's very religious. And you know, a lot of people would be shocked. But he's a pretty strict Catholic, and he's a good friend. I just let him do his thing, man. You know, right. it's on him. You know, that's what that would keeps him happy. But when I was young, I was so douchey about it. And really, it was somehow or another, it was because I was insecure that a maybe they were right, <laughs> or or b that when I was really young. Yeah. But then, and then I started reading religious history and go, oh wait a minute, yeah. oh this is craziness. Right. Oh, I didn't know. Right. I still, I'm still I fascinated, though. But what fascinates me is I, I, I read a whole thing in, uh, on, on the origins of Christianity. It's pretty interesting. And, and, but I, I came to sort of the same conclusion. I went, what's well, really 
if you really look at the the um, how much Christ actually said that we you can put it on a on a four by four card, not a lot. And then you had all these other these followers. I mean, Paul, for example, whenever you met him and had this conversion on the road to Damascus and wrote all these letters, the question becomes: Why though did those ideas last two thousand years? And a lot of ideas didn't. That's what always fascinates me. Because we killed the most people. What's that? It's that simple. The Christians well, killed the most I, people. It literally that. Actually, is that. Actually, I don't agree with that because you could say the same thing about fascism. And Dude, the Nazis believe me. killed a lot of people, but that, that kind of... And, no. And by the way, Listen, if communism. the Muslims had kicked the ass that the Christians did, we would all be learning that oh, Muhammad was the thing oh, 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 and we wouldn't be celebrating Christmas. No, 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 We'd but be celebrating saying, some oh, walk around the big box. No, but I do think that there's some, there is a resilience to things like love, love thy enemy and, and forgiveness. Well, well, you and have those, to, I know. Are, that is true, Brian, but you have to understand that all this stuff is rehashed old shit. I don't have to tell you that and the reason why we are immersed in Christianity is because this epoch, this world that we're living in, we're dealing with a very f small amount of time. It seems like an enormous amount of time for us, but the amount of time that the Christian religion has dominated the earth is not the same amount of time that back when the Romans were dominating shit right. or the Greeks were dominating shit. They had a couple thousand years on us. How much? We've only been around for a couple hundred years, or you know, yeah. this country. Well, let me ask you know, you and, and and the world, the world of Christianity, it's two thousand years. But let me ask you a question: How much do you think? Uh, how it seems like. Human beings always have this sort of need for to impose their own forms of self-restriction. Yes, you know, and, and and discipline and things. I think like it's that. an operating system. Do you think that's a part of our human nature? Or do you think that's a natural function of our? I nature? think it's very simple. I think that we are evolving. We are in an adolescent stage of evolution, and we are something that's in the middle. We are not quite animal. We know that we are animal. We we know we interact with animals. We know we have feelings for animals. But we also know that they're not us. Mm. We know we're something different, even from monkeys. There's a reason why you're allowed to keep monkeys in the zoo, but you can't have a slave. It's because we make some sort of a distinction that we are something different from them. Right. And people will say, well, that's stupid. We're not. That's wrong. You know, animals have rights. Honestly, they don't. Here's the deal. If it wasn't for us being so super smart, they'd all have eaten us. It's right. really that simple. Right. There's some crazy, weird survival thing going on. And the only way to truly be happy is you have to be on whatever team your race is. If you're a dog and you're ratting out all these other dogs and then the people run around and club the dogs to death in front of you, you'll be a shitty dog. Way, you'll feel so, terrible. So, so you don't get in trouble. Joe Rogan is not talking about racist and white, black, or he's talking about human race here. Yes, I'm talking about, I'm talking about animals over other species. I'm talking about the human race as a whole. We are in some weird thing where we're not quite an animal anymore. Anymore. We're an animal, but we're self-aware. We need food. We need animal protein. We need vegetable protein. We need water. We need all the things that a regular biological unit needs to keep itself alive. So, so then, but uh, we also have some weird awareness. So then, evolution for you is not just biological. It's not just mathematics and bio biology. It is. It is. We're also evolving from a consciousness point. Sure. Of view. I mean, and, and biologists would argue with you over the uh, semantics over the word evolution, saying that evolution only pertains to a biological thing. That you don't have like evolution of culture. You have advancement mm -hmm. of culture, and you know you have. It, more, um, you know, advanced levels of complexity. It's, but it's not technically evolution. But we all know what the word evolution means, and it's a better word for it. I, really. I don't think, mind using I it think, there. I have them think societies and even the world as a whole it develops uh, their own sort of sense of self-awareness. We, we are yeah. very aware of what the pitfalls of of how to get how you get you fall into things like genocide. I do think the world is less brutal yeah. as a whole today than it way was more. a long time. Way more. It's hard for us to understand. I always try to relate this to people when we talk about the the you know like people like I've had so many conversations like you know um, Alex Jones is a good friend of mine and uh, Alex Jones will tell you that right now the the CIA the end up he's he's so doom and gloom. Yeah. You know I have some people that I know that I'm friends with that are so 
so this is the end of the world. I'm like, you got to look at it this way, bro. The apocalypse is here, but not here. Right. Okay. It's on the earth in right. certain spots. It right. always has been. Sure. It's just back then when you describe the apocalypse and the plague. Well, yeah, there was a plague in Northern Africa, but guess where there wasn't a plague in fucking China at the that's same time in China, they were chilling, they were banging, making that's more right. Chinese people. That's they were, right. you know, they were playing fucking games. It's you, <laughs> you have access right now to too much information well, for our so, puny brains. Yeah. And that's where religion and any sort of a predetermined pattern of behavior that you can follow as an operating system, whether it's being an Amish person or anything, that's why they come in handy because things so squirrely, things are so crazy. You look, the fucking, the meltdown in Japan and fucking Mississippi's underwater and you, the fucking tornadoes that go through Alabama and birds are falling right, from the sky. Right. It never ends. By the if way, you're looking, the, yeah. if you're looking for shitty things, you can find them well, all day. And, and, and I'll tell you something, if, if for any of the young people who are listening, if you think it's, it's worse today, pick up any piece of literature or history. Just take a look. Like, take a look at Lincoln's life mm. and you'll find that back then, let's just take Lincoln's era, okay, Civil War. First of all, you always lost two or three of your children to all kinds of diseases. For example, diphtheria. When was the last time? Who do you know who ever died of whooping cough, diphtheria, tetanus, smallpox? These diseases would roll through in epidemics. And it wasn't like the flu where you yeah. got a cold. You died slowly and horribly. Oh. And it was usually your child under a tent that you couldn't touch. So if anybody... And oh. tuberculosis. Tuberculosis. When you got consumption, which is another word for tuberculosis, and it's just... Anytime you read any kind of any piece of literature or history from even 50 years ago, it is always is always a story about somebody. Eugene O'Neill, Nobel Prize winning playwright, his brother got um, uh, tuberculosis and he had to watch him die. And Long Day's Journey in the Night is about that. There was nothing you could do, man. You know what they do? Go up to the mountains and breathe the air to see if it helps your lungs. Otherwise, you fucking died. And that was one disease of, of count. Look at polio 60 years ago, 50 years ago, when kids were on iron lungs. And the best case scenario, your child is four, he'll never walk again. That was the best case scenario, but usually you just died because your lungs didn't hold up. And we've invented, that, that, that's, that's the fundamental difference. Nobody that's listening right now, I guarantee, knows anybody who has even been crippled by something like, like polio, scarred by something like smallpox. So the world, in a lot of ways, we're feeding in the 70s, in the 70s, and, and especially in the 60s, China and India, half the world's population was starving, man. They couldn't even, they, they had to import grain. Now India is a huge grain exporter. So <clears throat> because of the Green Revolution, because of what's that guy's name? One man who came up with ways to make, you know, grains and things more, more uh, resistant to drought and things like that. Our, our advancements, our technological advancements have pushed us so far beyond our biology, it's not even funny. However, you're right. It's so overwhelming and moving so quickly that people feel like they, since they can't understand it, they have to come up with some kind of a, a debunking mechanism or something they can understand or at least something they can hold on to. And that's where religion plays a huge part. I don't think religion, I don't think technology is, is pushing religion out of the way. In some ways, I think this huge, this huge um, uh, multiple, the exponential growth of technology is actually ushering in a, a, a another wave and that is a wave of very religious people who have who don't know how to put this technolo technological wave into context tissue regeneration all the stuff we talk about it's also that you you're able to contact many people you, you can are. get groups. That's you can right. get very selective on the internet too. You can choose yeah. just to hang out in one or two sort of forums, yeah. and you can just think the way they think. Nick Nick, Nick uh, Swarson does such a funny joke about that. You ever see his joke about this? He does this new joke. He's like, you know, back before the internet, if you had a fetish, man, it was just really hard to find like you know a group or just anybody you could get it with. You'd have to go out to dinner and be like, I'll be right back. I'm gonna go to the bathroom. 
unless you want me to piss on your face. <laughs> I'm just kidding. I'm just kidding. <laughs> yeah, yeah, it's a good chance. That's hilarious because it's true. It's yeah, true. You'd yeah, have to feel it out and shit. There's so many weird groups that we're finding out about from doing this podcast and you have to talk to porn stars. Uh, you have to. They hold you down. It's great. You know, it's, and sometimes, you know, you, you get in conversations like, you know, like you find out things like cream pies and, you know, and foot jobs and all these different like really creepy things that are just totally standard. They're standard. Now. You know, it used know, to be hard exactly to find. I, when I was 14 years old, we always used to find <laughs> porn in the woods. And everyone shares this story. It's, by the way, all over the country. I grew up in Boston. I've talked to uh, friends that grew up in L.A. I've talked to friends. You found porn in the woods. We all used to find magazines in the I woods. Did. And I remember, I will remember this. This is the very day that the darkness, the dark side of sexuality was revealed to me. Because normally when you find these magazines, you'd find like Time magazine, you know, and then there would be like a Playboy inside of it. Someone would be naughty. Yeah. You know what I mean? Like if you would find one over someone's house. Right. But if you find them in the woods, you know, like I never bought a magazine until I was like 20. You always found them over someone's house or you stole it from your dad's bathroom or something. Right. But the magazines that you would get from your dad were like penthouse if you were lucky. Yeah. Right. They go gynecological more. They show the yeah. pussy. Not cheese spot and stuff. But when I was in the woods, you'd find like Hustler screw. and Cherry and yes, yeah, Screw and it, I, I, I've stumbled upon this one magazine. It was me and my friends, and I'll never forget this. Because <laughs> my friend Juan, my friend Juan Alvarado, he, uh, he was the first one to talk. And we're all sitting around looking at this magazine, and we peel through it page by page for like five minutes, just page. And he finally goes, Dude, I think this magazine's all dicks and feet. <laughs> <laughs> And it, was, it was the whole magazine was dicks and feet, and I remember this because also it was the first time my friend my friend Josh, who uh, who was the next one to speak, it was the first time I ever heard someone say "what the fuck" in a way that I knew they didn't really want an answer. <laughs> you know, when you say "what the fuck," occasionally you say "what the fuck" like you come home, there's water everywhere. What the, what the fuck? fuck? But sometimes you'll say "what the fuck" where it's like it's a "what the fuck." Yeah, what the fuck? And you don't really want an answer, man. There's no way you can have an answer there's certain times when you say what the fuck where if you were expecting an answer you asked the wrong question you know oh, and this is one of them this this fucking magazine this wet that magazine that we found under a log right it's always they're always damp the pages are stuck together and it was all dicks and feet oh, so good. it was so weird it was all white guys you can never find a black dick if you were looking <laughs> for some black dick back in the day no. it was very difficult right i didn't see a black dick until the internet came along and then i was like wow they really are bigger, they are bigger. you know but back then man you never saw a black dick that shit was a rumor yeah. or you wrestled and you saw him in the locker room you know <laughs> You know, every now and then you'd be like, God what damn. What the fuck is that? Yeah. But back then, the, the porn now, porn, every girl, you're not worth your salt unless you get fucking gang banged by a couple of black guys. Right. All right. That, that separates the girls from the women. All right. That separates the pros. That separates the real sluts. Amateurs. The real girls who go in there and there's three fucking giant, juiced up football player black dudes with logs in their pants. Logs. And they're going to fuck every hole and, you, and you're going to pretend you love it or do love it. Either right. way. Or do love it. I hope, lo I hope yeah. do love it. Go for it. It's good for my masturbation material. Yeah, bro. I can you, feel you, bad and get get off at the same time. You can't time. stop sluts. You just got to be nice to them. God you know? bless them. It's and you know I think sluts are just like every other component in this society inevitable. You know, and and porn stars and and, and comedians and everything. There's it's almost like this society has a piece in place to counteract every other piece that moves along well, with well, it. Well, being a slut in in this society comes if you're hot enough comes with a certain amount of power and cachet and by the way salary. 
uh, you know, and hate and forget about that. Yeah. What about the hate you get from the other women? They yeah. know you're, you're not playing by their rules. Oh, yeah. yeah. When are you That's just going out there and fuck them on the first date? And what it is, is they're just tapping into our base evolutionary side, the, the, the chimp side, the, the chimpanzee in us, you know? You, yeah. It's just total genetic and thing. You don't want to be around way, that girl. Cause you know, that girl. That. There's a place for that. I mean, the, well, you know. it's there. I, I often think that it's there the same re- for the same reason. Religion's there. All this controlling behavior is because we ultimately have this weird for, sort of a group goal. And the weird group goal is the progression of technology. The weird group goal is the progress. And I say that and people say, well, no, it's not just about technology. It's about social engineering. It's about life. It's mm, yeah, but what's at the front? What's at the front of the line? The front of the line is what's the latest, greatest shit we're inventing. That's How much does the culture evolve? We still have most of the same fucking stupid laws in place that were in place in the 60s and 70s. Pot is still illegal, okay? Yeah, is. The culture is still wonked out of their mind. You know, the culture is still really fucking weird. But technology is in another place. But the evolution of technology is a thousand times faster. Well, you know what it does? Technology, for example, in porn, for example, it gives you exactly what you want right now in, in every technicolor detail. And there was an article I read by this, uh, I can't remember her name, this, this, uh, this Slutty McFuckstick? Yes, this Slutty woman, no, this woman fuck. who said that they're, they're finding this interesting phenomenon with teenage boys. And that is that these kids are now have access to RedTube and they're watching porn starting at 10, 9, and they're getting exactly what they want. Here's the problem. When you and I, when you and I saw a naked girl, that, right when we met, we didn't have the internet. Right. When you saw yeah. tits and you saw an ass, you were just like, holy oh, yeah. shit. I wasn't worried about oh, lines. Yeah. I wasn't worried about shaving. I was just like, yeah. look at the, just the smell of her. I was yeah. like, I don't give a fuck. She could have a hoof and a horn. I'm fucking her. I don't care, dude. dude. I'm, I'm, I'm this far. Now what they're finding is boys are, they're so used to seeing perfection and exactly what they want that they'll see a girl and they'll be like, ah, she's got a dent there. I don't like <laughs> that. Fuck it. I'm bored. On to the next. And these kids are going from girl to girl to girl to girl. And girls are having to rise to that occasion and become sluttier and sluttier to keep, to hold a boy's interest. And they've, wow. they've done a lot of really interesting social studies on it, which, and what, you know what it's causing? It's causing boredom. It's causing sexual boredom among, the, this is what the, the article said. Among the a, weak. Well, yeah, I mean, or, or <laughs> everybody else is just or, getting more butt or, sex or addictions or weird yeah, addictions. They are weird. And sexual sexuality can very well be in anything where you think about it too much can be an addiction. Because you're chasing a sensation. Yeah. Whether it's good or bad, you know, look, I've been addicted to a lot of fucking things in my life. I've never been addicted to a drug, but I've been addicted to a lot of fucking things in my life. And there was a guy that, there was one of the clearest forms of sexual addiction. There was this guy that was in a wheelchair and he was a nice guy and he used to play in this pool league that I played in. We played this, um, this uh, weekly tournament. And he was always there. And he had to play in a wheelchair. And he was, in a, you know, it's fucking hard, man. It's, it's hard yeah. going around in life where you yeah. can't move your legs. So he started talking to me about prostitutes. That he gets a lot of prostitutes. I'm like, all right, yeah, it's good this guy gets some prostitutes. Probably, you know, guy's got a lot of fucking pent-up sexual pressure. And I hope they don't take advantage of him, right? Yeah. But then he starts talking, like, about how he gets really upset if their feet aren't perfect. He got, like, really weird. And I'm like, whoa, 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 whoa. Here's a guy who's an ugly guy. He's ugly. And he's talking about girls. And he wasn't just talking about prostitutes. He, but he doesn't like their feet. Their feet have to be perfect. They have to be perfect. She's not taking care of her feet. I get upset. And I'm like, God damn, dude, you should be so happy that someone wants to hug you. Now, do you know, what do you give a fuck what color her nails are on her toes, you know, weirdo? Do you know, according to this one book called The Murder Room, that, that this guy who's a, a, a serial killer profile who specializes in sadism, and he, he was, he's, he, do you know about this? It's really interesting. The Vidoc Society, where they, they get together um, uh, like the third Thursday of every month, all these retired profilers and, and detectives, and they solve cold cases. 
uh, and and the rule is it's got to be an unjust case where a little girl was killed or something. Right. You know, it can't be a drug dealer was knocked off. Right. They, they find, but it's usually they deal with serial killers or people got away with it and they think it's a serial killer and they've solved a lot of crimes. And he said, and he's he's the he basically wrote the helix on on the evolution of a serial killer that the FBI still uses today on profiling, and he said that almost all serial killers start with a fetish. They wow. start with a fetish. And, it, and once you get into the fetish, once you get into, you know, whatever it might be, coming on somebody's feet, and then you want to, then you want to, you know, maybe choke them or whatever, you don't go back. You mentally never go back to being normal. Once you start going down the rabbit hole, some people stop. Some people stop. Some people stop at, you know, they like to stop at whatever it might be. Feet. Shitting on your fucking And this is extreme fetishes. This is not just like I have a fetish for Asians. Well, no. A it's lot funny, of them, though, a lot of them will start, with, start rubbing, with rubbing against strangers in buses <sighs> That's a huge, or on trains. So they'll take trains and, they, and they'll just rub up against a stranger. Here's another really creepy one. Sometimes they'll find leather coats cut, like just really finely cut with a razor. That's something called peakerism, which is where they like to cut your skin. That shit is a very common thing. That's yeah. where it's fucking. So they're cutting you like when you're standing in an well, elevator well, or something. Well, they'll fantasize about it, you know, and they practice on coats, but they'll do it in a public place because it's dangerous. It's like you know they might get caught. Ooh. Fucking nutty shit, man. It's more weird shit where the fucking mind is not wired right. That what is, is that? Is that a well, social thing? Well, is that a? There's a there's there's a lot there's a lot of new science to suggest that if you are an evil person, let's just say you're a serial killer or you're just a killer what what there's a lot of evidence to suggest that you lack the ability not only with the medigula which is the, the part of the brain that i guess you know deals with compassion and things but you also may also not have the neuron um, synapses required to actually um, um, fire when somebody's being hurt and it causes a, a sense of uh, disdain or or, um, or or you feel bad about it. The, the, so so as we learn more about the brain, it may just be that criminals, for the most part, are brain damaged, are simply brain damaged. So that raises a really important question. If then you can prove that someone has a lesion the size of a pinhead on a certain part of their brain that causes them to lack any kind of compassion and in fact causes them not to be able to feel at all. And so they have to do crazy shit just to feel. Just to be alive. Right. So what do you do with that person? What, does that, what does that say? Well, you can kill them. You can kill them. <laughs> but I'm talking about it as a society. If you see that they are brain damaged. Now, here's another Study question. them and kill them. Okay. Or how about this? What if you have the means to actually fix that lesion on the brain? Depends then on what they've you? done. It does, If right? they've already done something fucked up, you got to kill them. What if I could prove scientifically that they're hundred percent normal with all the ability to com feel compassion? You still mm. gotta it's still gotta justice, kill right? Yeah, you gotta kill them. Well that's Yeah, you can't, you can't have them walking around if that guy killed your sister. No. Could you, you imagine can't. if you, you were can't. walking around and some guy killed your sister, he's like, Hey, sorry, no. I just had some shit wrong no, in my brain. But, but it does raise it does raise questions we're gonna be grappling with at the, another thing about technology. As we learn more about the brain and you find that a lot of criminals have an underdeveloped, for example, medigula. I think mm -hmm. that's the word. Is that what the part of the brain? I don't know, is? I'm okay. not a brain let's scientist. Let's call let's say let's say medigula. It Let's make up better. another word. It sounds better. It, sounds, it rhymes with Caligula. <laughs> Look it up on the internet. Your shaman it sounds like a, a Caligula. But the point is, is that that's fucking interesting to me. Mm -hmm. All of a it sudden, is interesting, you're actually brain damaged. So mm -hmm. you don't have the ability to feel. You don't even fucking know how to process that, and you haven't since you were born. Right, but aren't, so, aren't a huge? Isn't a but? How, where does that come from? Because a huge percentage of these serial killers, it seems, come from some sort of a torturous childhood. Uh, yes, and huge, then some huge don't. percentage. And then some, some don't, don't, right? But and is that, that some don't bullshit? Maybe because you know, like maybe. Jeffrey Dahmer's parents claim that they didn't fuck him. 
You know, oh, everything is fine. He's pretty normal. Yo, yo, something happened. There is no question. I don't, I don't buy that. But there's no question, though, that a lot of very evil people, let's take Stalin, not actually not a good example, but let's take, there are a lot of like, like shitty, the really terrible dictators. Right, but isn't uh, it a part, the real problem is finding their history. You don't know. Yeah. Yeah, you don't God, know. who the yeah. fuck knows, man? I, I think that you're definitely wounded sometime in your, in, in a crucial stage of your development, probably. That seems to be, that's another theory I've heard, where people say, as you're developing, right. a lot of times, if you're developing sexually and mentally at a certain age, and you see something really horrific and violent, um, you, will, you can associate violence with sexual um, release there's right. all kinds of shit like that or as a way of coping with something you can't even put into context you right. turn it sexual because it's a defensive mechanism that's the it's thing like, with a lot of girls that have been raped right. the, a right. lot of girls who have been molested and raped they, they turn to porn that's exactly right because they relive the trauma they call it reliving it you know Strange. You would think that it would turn them off. You it know? does. Some people, it does. Yeah. Well, the, the the mystery is that you see people who go through the worst abuse in the world, and they come out of it incredible people right. who give back to society, and they're everybody's hero. And then you see somebody where one thing happens. One thing happens at the right time, and they turn into they're, they're in and out of rehab for the rest of their life. Look at look at people who make a shitload of money. A lot of their kids, good looking, tall, they're doing all the thing, and they spend their whole life battling a drug drug problem. Mm-hmm. Whereas one dude comes up from in an orphanage and ends up running the fucking running a company or you know whatever it might be. Yeah, but it's you know weird. I think it's it's all really kind of clear if you look at it like in the progression of their lives, what kind of experiences have they had, how they move towards you know solving or getting past that experience, and what can you learn from watching them. I mean, right. if you really wanted to, really wanted to take the the crazy point of view, the crazy point of view is that this world is really your imagination, and that everything that takes place in this world is really a lesson for you. Mm. You can either learn from it or not. You can see the whole thing as some grand play played out for your amusement. And in every weakness, you can you can you can learn. And w- one of the the issues that I have with human beings, and like I said, with religion, I I get upset at things that I'm afraid of seeing in myself. You know, I get upset at weakness in people. I get upset at jealousy. I get upset. At, I get upset at all the things that I'm terrified of seeing in myself. Sure. And it's almost like that that plays out for you. It's like these are all here's your school. The world is your your this is your path to enlightenment. Here's the world in front of you. This is a shaky roadmap of enlightenment. You said something that that always stuck with me. I never forgot it. And and I wasn't that young a guy when you said it. It was actually kind of recent. It was about five years ago. And there was this situation that I'd been in. I, it was, we were at dinner, and I fucking freaked out and with my girlfriend at the time. And you said to me the next day, you go, dude, you got to become the star of the movie that you live in. You can't, be a, you can't behave that way because that's not what the star of the movie would do. In other words, you, you make a choice as to how you behave and who you want to be. And that is a series of choices. That, you can is, choose to be someone that you would admire. That's exactly fucking right. And that's not easy to do. It takes responsibility. It takes saying no to a lot of shit. But it does. But, but it's, it's also it is in, in a way. It's also it is easier in a way. It is. You, an event, you make yes. your fucking choice. And I think you also know exactly. I always find people who act like they're really confused and they'll ask me advice about how to live their life. And I start looking. I'm like, dude, you know exactly what you're supposed to. Yes, but do. no. It is very confusing if you haven't made steps already. Yeah. If you if you're one of those perps, people that have never ventured into the deep water and you're afraid to jump in, well, it's fucking true. scary. The big for a lot of people, any sort of change is terrible. 
terrifying. Yeah. Any movement where, you know, I'm thinking about leaving this job and pursuing my dreams, that's fucking terrifying for a lot of it people. It is terrifying because a lot of times it doesn't work out, but I just... But they haven't done it. If you've done it a bunch of times, like, hey, I already did this, already did that, already tried moving sports, here, and sports, sports, sports make a big... Stand-up, I mean, acting, I was listening to uh, Mark Maron, I think he was talking to Greg Fitzsimmons, somebody sent me this clip, <clears throat> where Maron was talking about how if he was upset with anything, it was that his parents never instilled a sense of healthy competition in him. For him, it was always, if he's losing the game, he's throwing the board up in the air, and then the fucking game's over, because mm -hmm. he, he could, couldn't take it, because it was like life or death. And that's such an important point, man, and a healthy form of competition. And, and by healthy, one of the things is you got to lose. I was about to say, you got to feel that. You learn a lot more a lot of times by losing. Yeah, you learn you what do you do winning. wrong. You get motivated. You know, I, I still to this day do a lot of jujitsu. And one of the things about jujitsu is you get tapped, man. You get tapped all the time. I roll with good guys. I get caught, man. It's just, and when you're getting caught, it's a matter of do I tap out or does my arm break? Do right. I tap out or do, are you going to fuck my neck up? Right. You know, do, you know, and this is, but by doing that all the time, you get very humble. Absolutely. It's, it's, and you get used to losing and winning and you realize that you're the, the, the good that you do, whether you do good at jujitsu or any other game. One of the reasons why I'm obsessed with games is because there's a direct correlation in my mind between focusing excellence, like focusing my, my energy and my concentration concentration on something and then seeing direct results and then applying those direct results to the rest of my life. Uh, uh, and with some people, they never have any real competition in their life. And because of that, when anything comes up, anything that's big, anything that does require you to rise the occasion or, or deal with a social issue, you fucking lock up, up man. Freeze up. You freeze up because it's scary. You know, you, you, you know, Michael Jordan, um, they always say had his, he holds the statistic for hitting the, the most last minute winning shots. Okay. Guess what? He also holds the statistic for the most losing, missing the most game-winning shots. He's also that's, a notorious gambling yeah, addict. Yeah, but that, that's but that's in a book. That's in a book called uh, Outliers that I thought was really interesting. Yeah, takes a Malcolm chance. Gladwell, yeah, he he missed as many. He missed more than he made. Now yeah. he's a legend, and he he was the greatest basketball player ever. But that took a lot of fucking missing and a lot of losing. It took a lot of obsession too. It's he's a fascinating subject to me. I follow him very closely. Do you? Yes, very closely because I'm obsessed with extreme winners. Yeah, I'm extreme because. I I think there's a madness to it, and I, I, I truly believe that in order to be truly great at something, you have to give in to a certain amount of madness. And how much can you manage that madness? I don't know. But guess what? If you want to be that guy flying through the fucking air with your tongue out in front of the baddest motherfucking basketball players in the world and kicking shit on a level that they've never seen before, Dr. J, suck my dick, stupid. Oh. Watch this. Watch this. I'm going to fly through the air. How about that? He's How about I'm going to do freak. some shit that nobody's ever done? I'm going to hit some fucking layups that's going to have all you white bitches scratching your head. Artie Lang used to say, if Michael Jordan had been on the Titanic, it would not have sunk. <laughs> he would have been fucking blocked. Ah, nah, he would have just yeah, plugged every hole. I, I'm fascinated by ultra bad motherfuckers, but there's a reality to the... The, there's a madness to them, to all of them, Dude. every single one of them. And Michael Jordan is an extreme he one. He lost at pool once, didn't talk to his teammate for three days. Yeah, you know, I I, I believe it. I believe he, he's also got a real, real problem with gambling and any sort of games. And I know that, that thing in myself. Yeah. When I was younger, I had a real problem with it. I'm much, much better now. But when I was younger, I had a real problem with games. Yeah. And he's got it bad man with golf he's got it bad dude he loses and he doesn't even pay he gets mad at people and doesn't pay he owed some fucking golf hustler a half a million dollars oh and the guy God. wrote a story it was i believe it was esquire it was it esquire or gq one of those magazines and there was a big ass story about michael jordan and you know how he's how he's gambling with michael jordan michael jordan wouldn't pay him and michael jordan is just this 
ultra bad motherfucker who's obsessed with it. He just has to constantly get new pussy. He has to constantly get the latest Ferrari. He has to constantly be playing golf and winning money and gambling on basketball games and gambling on baseball games and gambling on whatever the fuck he can, man. He's just out there riding it. I think a lot, of athletes, a lot of athletes have so much trouble fucking yeah. managing. How about this? Go to factcheck.com. 60%, 60% of NFL football players leave the league in bankruptcy. Dude, did you see that? There was that? a thing about all the different Tell basketball somebody, by players. Somebody, check that out because I think I, on factcheck.com, I believe that's the statistic. It's 60%. We can check it out right now. Yeah. 60% of, would you of, say? Of, of NFL football players are bankrupt. I think it's like a year after they've, they've, they've played football or by the time they retire or something crazy. Did you see what Norm McDonald bet on that pack fight the other day? Oh, well, I know a guy who bet 800000 Oh, Are you serious? Christ. How about that? I know a guy who bet 800000 so to win 100000 I'm so glad I don't have that fucking kind of problem. I mean, to win 100000 That was pretty safe, but yet I, he didn't fight up to... 60%. There it is. Within five years of retirement. 60% of NFL football players within five years of retirement are bankrupt. Think about that. It's because you're just invincible. You're the biggest, strongest, fastest guy in the world, and you got to get that juice somehow. you yeah. got to buy shit. you got to just, you know. Well, there was, a, there was a thing about pro athletes that have all been, uh, that have lost all their money, and they're, they're guys who like Latrell Sprewell. Oh, dude. Guys who dude. like, big legends. names. Legends. Big names, and they're broke. They owe millions and millions of dollars. You know, and I, I have this weird thing where I go on hip hop sites and I look hip hop sites. One of the things that you see nowadays is how many guys are in bankruptcy, like half of their gossip. You know, everyone's got their own gossip. You know, you go on like baby websites, celebrity baby. Oh, you know, it looks like they're fighting and, you know, the, the baby's turned four, you know, but you go on hip hop websites and the gossip is overwhelming. If you're a, if, this guy's losing his house. If you're a this pro guy's... athlete or you're a hip hop, the first thing you should do in your entourage is have fucking three accountants following mm -hmm. you everywhere. Just, just hire, go to New York, find a Jewish or Italian account, and have them fucking follow you around all the time. Well, you know, I ran Barkley. You know who he was, right? Yeah. Beat Thomas yeah. Hearns, yeah. former, I think, yeah. super middleweight champion. Yeah, he's a bad, bad, bad motherfucker. Barkley's a badass. But he turned homeless. He became uh, homeless. Well, he had a he had a major crack problem. Too. Was it a crack yeah, problem? Yeah. Really? Barkley I didn't know that. Yeah. But what what they were saying, what he was saying rather, was he was hanging out with Eddie Murphy and Michael, or hanging out with Eddie Murphy and Arsenio Hall, <laughs> and he's like, I had to fucking keep up. You know, so he was, you know, buying a Mercedes and the best watches and then that shit runs dry. And, t you know, that's like the, the most transient of jobs or the most yeah, temporary of jobs. I mean, God. And by the way, how much how much money do you, to tell, you would know better than I would. If you make if you get a 20 million dollar payday, right? And you're a mm -hmm. boxer. How much of that money after taxes and, and there's a and lot. How much there's do you a see? lot. There's a lot that's missing. OK, the guy the guy that's making the 20 million dollars thinks I have 20 million dollars, but you don't. You got about first six. of all. Yeah, you got about six. Maybe you might not Maybe. even have six. You might have four That's right. because you have to pay taxes. Okay, so half's gone. Yep. When you're in, when you're above two hundred two hundred fifty thousand dollars, is it, or mm -hmm. is it four hundred thousand dollars? Whatever the fuck it is, there's a certain level that you're above where you're essentially paying forty yeah. something That's percent like in taxes. 400, 400, yeah. Okay. So there's there's that. <clears throat> then you have managers and agents. So I don't know how it is in, in boxing, but in uh, in a lot of uh, in in comedy, for instance, you and I, we have a manager and an agent. The manager takes fifteen percent. The agent takes ten. Do there's twenty five. Do you have a business manager? Yes. Yeah, so there's there thirty. <laughs> So gone. money's gone. Forget it. A publicist yeah. too. I yeah. don't have one, but I mean, you know. and then of course you have property taxes, and there's a lot of things you have to pay, and the bills are high. But the the amount of money that you actually get is like thirty four cents on a dollar, or something silly like right. that. It's something something ridiculous. Yeah. So yeah, so these guys spend like they actually have twenty million bucks. 
But that's part of the fun, man. It's part of the fun is watching someone walking around with giant diamond encrusted chains and crazy fucking watches, and then the, a month later finding out that they lost their house. <laughs> there's something. There's something Joe Rogan. for you Joe for Rogan your own knew, amusement. Joe Rogan knew a comic who who had a huge deal. He bought a Rolls Royce. Six months later, he was living in it. So there you go. yeah, who was that? I I don't know, but uh, Dolph Davidoff knows. I can't remember the guy's yeah, name. Yeah, who was that? Um, That's fuck. why I bought a Ford Edge. <clears throat> solid you, car. You might know, you might Ford makes some solid fucking I can live in now. my Ford Apparently edge. Chrysler's making a big comeback because of a uh, yeah, an M&M commercial. An M&M commercial about Detroit. Some slick Detroit oh, commercial M&M. that they did for the Super Bowl. Right. I can't. I drive a Prius and even my fucking my M&M. Listen, brother. You only live this one life. Yeah. Go get yourself an M3. You got some really? money. Yeah, you used to have a BMW, yeah, right? Yeah, yeah. I get yourself. You want to borrow my car for a couple of days? It's great, huh? Drive around in an M3. Get some. You got some money, man. I'm not saying you should just blow it and get crazy, but enjoy it. I Don't should. drive a fucking Prius. Like You're a- in the Hangover too, son. Damn right, I'm everybody. A fucking solid and I'll car. Be, oh, by the way, I'll be at the Edmonton Comic Strip on Wednesday, Wednesday to fucking Sunday, and I will be bringing the heat. Edmonton, Alberta, Canada is That's the right. shit. It is fun, it's fucking place. They have a lot of fights up there. They have the MFC. They put they put on big fights up there. And a couple times I've done comedy shows like right before the fights, and the fucking crowds are great. I love Canadians. They get the awesome. comedy. They go with you, and they're polite, and they're yeah. just fucking. They're good. so awesome. They, they have I a good sense of humor. How was too cold. how was the air quality when you were filming the the Hangover Two? It's super uh, bad it's, there, that right? That place smells. I'm not. I don't mean the Thailand? Thai people are beautiful, wonderful people, but Bangkok and Thailand's Bangkok just by the nature of the city, and there's a it smells like garlic soup. It yes. smells like That's a big. Good. I was on the top like of my hotel, and I was like, "That the, the well, Bangkok smells a lot, a lot like fish and garlic and soup. If you mix that together, Ugh. some people <laughs> like it. That's not and my farts. thing, right? They're great people. Uh, the Thais are fucking awesome. How long the were you there for? The only country never been colonized, by the way. At really? Or, or, yeah, Thailand is the only country. Well, you can make the argument for Vietnam, but they've gone through so many wars fighting for their independence. They're badass people. But the Thais somehow are always able to compromise and find a way to be just in the middle. Think about Indochina in that area and how fucking incredibly volatile it always been. The Chinese were always invading Vietnam. They were. All, I mean, that whole part was just life was always hard. Vietnamese are tough fucking people because their history has been a thousand years of keeping people out of their fucking country. The French, the Chinese. The Americans, they just never gave up. When you look at fucking ties, somehow, somehow, they were able to just keep everything real kosher. They just played the road. They were like, hey, America, we're your friends, but not really good friends. Hey, Russia, you guys are like, fuck our girls. <laughs> we, we, we got great food, beautiful women. The weather's great. Come on in. It's a wild culture, great too, beaches. though. Yeah. They're, the and Muay Thai tough. fights, oh, the Muay Thai fights in, in Thailand really are like those old Van Damme movies. Dude, they're badass Oh, like man. waving cash in the air Fuck and, and yeah. gambling. They're tough. They're no joke, but they yeah. just they're really good at being communal. Like they, they, I think I think at the root of Thai culture is this notion of being able to compromise and negotiate hmm. and not not spoiling, not taking the fucking chessboard, throwing it in the air. Just let's just let's keep playing. I lost a little bit, but it's nice as the battle. It's, the war itself is uh, there is no war. It's a beautiful way of looking at life. They're not too competitive about shit. They have a king still, right? And you can't shit on the king. Well, the king is the one the place. Thailand is an incredibly liberal place. And, and I you know, did a little reading on the culture and stuff, and it's a very liberal place. But the one thing that they never... They have no sense of humor about it as their king. And, really, and the reason is because there's a there's a there's a form of superstition. It, it, it's a, what a lot of people. Um, 
uh, they're very superstitious about their king. Their king is considered to be a semi-deity. And they take huh. that shit seriously. And I was there, um, I don't know what the holiday was, but it was a time when you were supposed to give alms to you know, the king. And, and it was a religious ceremony. And they would walk by and all of them would put their hands together. Even people on the street would walk by this, this golden shrine and put their hands together and bow. So it might be one of the last cultures on earth that, that feels that way. Um, about their king. I mean, you know, like North Korea. Probably, North Korea probably. is under a the dictatorship Tibetans, that's terrifying. The Tibetans, the Tibetans have this notion that that the Dalai Lama is the that's the a little first different Rinpoche too, right? Yeah. yeah, because that's a religious thing. Uh, yeah, but yeah, this but is also a little bit as well. I think so, very much. Do, so. do wow? Does the king do shady shit? Does no, like, no. The king, from what I understand, his son is a little bit different. And his son has fallen a little bit out of favor with the people. He's a playboy and his product of just, you know, having oh, a lot of money. Oh, shit. But his dad, his dad is, and, and by the way, I mean, I, I, his son was, you don't hear bad things about his son, but his father was always this sort of sober, staid presence. And he's just having his, a good time. He, not really. Kid. He took it, yeah. But but even that kid, they take their their role as a symbol very very seriously, and they know how important and how uh, how how important a symbol they are um, to sort of uh, uh, you know the the notion that we are we are what you should aspire to, which is you know being conservative like a lot of things about the thai women like people think well because there are a lot of like strip clubs and there's a big sex trade there that thai women are loose absolutely not in fact in thai culture women are there it's not like you just go fuck a lot of people at all they're very conservative in their own families and as as a, as a group of people i've talked to a lot of thai people about that and, and and women who are there who are working and stuff she's like it's a huge misconception the notion that you can just meet a thai girl and get and bang her. so it's, it's just the prostitutes are yeah. so prevalent that... yeah well because they make it legal right. they don't try to control it they and they they zone it there's a there's a red light district where i spend all my time and uh, <laughs> and and, uh, and and, and they have numbers, and it's and you know you can it, for nineteen dollars you can you can pay the bar fine wherever the fuck it is sixty bucks you can bring them back. They, it's all very cheap. But you see these like f- disgusting, fat, barnacle-ridden German tourists who are sixty with this like you know fifteen-year-old farm girl from the north of Thailand or Cambodia or Dos Vietnam. Is good. And uh, and it's, and it's not a it's it's not a, a, a sinful thing in their culture. No, it's it's a, not, it's, it's almost like um, I'm gonna I'm gonna help this person. Uh, it's like I'm gonna give them a massage. Yeah. And, and so by weird. the way, I think a, a huge strength of the Thai people also is the notion that there's a lot of power and strength in giving. Mm. There's a lot of power and strength in being subservient and making you feel welcome and have a good time. Dude, I'm fucking moving to Thailand. Uh, yeah, I like I'm ready. If, yeah. I'll tell you something. If I was an old single dude. We just like to watch kickboxing. I fucking moved to Thailand. If I didn't have a any friends, of, I, heard, I heard the air, co- air quality is so bad that you can't get walk one, around without one, one of those, those masks. dope masks, yeah, but bro. You have to, if you, but you don't have to live in Bangkok. No, you live in Phuket in those just, places in yeah. Bali. Is Phuket cool? I, I, I thought I've about never, going there I've on vacation. Been. I've never been. There's Tiger Muay Thai there. I'm like, how cool would it be to go on vacation, just train Muay Thai it, for like a week? It's beautiful. It's beautiful. Just hang out in Thailand. It's probably some of the best scuba diving in the world. Is it safe? Yeah. For tourists and everything? That's the other thing about Even Bangkok? It's incredibly safe. Even Bangkok? Bangkok, you know, I mean, it's a huge city. I never once heard anybody tell me you shouldn't walk around. I walked around everywhere. You can go everywhere. You know, all the, the, the Zach and all, Zach Galifianakis. Clearly, clearly they had never seen Mad TV. That's exactly right. <laughs> I got recognized. I had my feet massaged. That's it. That's it. <laughs> then I got jerked off. No, <laughs> two girls, four dicks hands. and feet, dicks and feet. I just brought it back. Dicks See, full magazine. circle. Does anybody want a coconut water? Yeah. But hey, th- got, thank you, C two O, for sending me some cases. I appreciate oh, it. Oh, you lucky. Uh, but you got what? 
I love coconut water. Two girls for speaking of Thailand. You went silent just to. He, he stopped talking. He saw the coconut water. He stopped talking. Yeah. Um. Yeah. C two O four. Coconut that? water. It he is the shit. Up. What was uh? What was the nature of your stay? You were filming the um, Hangover two, and for how long were you there? I was there for almost two weeks. I stayed at the Four Seasons. Thank oh, you very much. Damn, son. Sweet. Like a player. When you do a were movie you by like yourself? That? You didn't fly your family out? Nothing. Nah, I was just by myself, man. Two weeks, man. That's yeah. a long time. Yeah. Did it freak a long you out? Time. Yeah, it always freaks me out when I'm away, but um, I don't really like traveling. I did so much of it as a kid that I, I just, you know, I've had opportunity to go to South Africa. And well, you Australia. lived in the yeah. Middle East. Yep, I did. This is uh, something I wanted to talk to you about because I wanted to know if you remember the place that you were when you heard the news that the prince was wed. <laughs> that, the, that the prince, the prince was, was wed. I can't was, believe you just said that because that was probably the highlight of my life. And I was sleeping. I'm kidding. I wasn't. Of course, this I wasn't. woman said to Happened me. Happened at two in the morning. This woman said to me, "Like I bet you didn't even watch. You didn't even watch the thing." She's like, yeah. "I go, no, I did. I didn't. I didn't watch." No, the thing. I'm straight and I'm a man. Did That's you, just oh, the way it is. I said this woman actually it was my mom. I'm trying to figure out who said it to me. Because like, you ever, you know, you know how someone says something and you go, "Who the fuck said that?" Because it was like in my mind, it was like this older woman. Why am I talking to her? She's at a store. Oh, it's my mom. Yeah. See, my mom be, was just I'll, here. Sorry, I'd, I'd weed. I'd love to be the prince. I, I'll tell you, if I was a prince and I was a good-looking guy like he was, I wouldn't be getting fucking married. Yeah, he's got to. I'd just be a fucking dirty bastard. He's got to do what he's got to do, though, you know. But anyway, my mom said, uh, you didn't watch it, did you? I go, no. And she says, well, this, these gay folks that live down the street from us, they had a big party. They had a big party for the prince. I go, really? How awesome is that? She goes, it was hilarious. She goes, they were talking about her dress and her shoes, and they all got excited. They had like 50 people over the house watching the wedding on TV. They got up early. Wow. I yeah, love it. Because it's live. I you know, it. It's a different time. So God they, bless. Yeah, they're God fucking so crazy. They are. They're like 10 hours ahead of us or something yeah. at least, no, right? Uh, eight, 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 eight hours ahead of us. You've been following all this Osama shit like, oh, Osama grew weed on his on he his did. farm and he stuff. He did grow weed, but that's super common in the Middle East. Did you see yeah. the video Hashish. that they, they yeah. released yesterday? I think that they, they released all these like home videos that they found at yeah. the compound. They're suspect because, you know, the CIA has admitted that they were going to make fake news stories. Yeah, okay, but I don't believe that this fake at all. Okay, think, but hold on a second. The, C, the CIA has admitted in several times that they were going to make fake news stories. This was after 9-11, yeah. and they said to, to throw off the terrorists, they were going to make fake news stories. As soon as they start saying, they're letting everybody know, we're going to lie to you. The, the, the depths of their lies is only your imagination. Who the fuck knows? I mean, when, when you see him and he's got, like, uh, his beard is dyed black, mm -hmm. and then you see other videos of him and his beard is white, I don't buy that. Well, this is, but hold on a second. Yeah. This, this is why I don't buy that. It's because there right now will absolutely be an active campaign to discredit him. If they have murdered him, if they did shoot Osama bin Laden and he was unarmed, they will discredit him. And one of the ways they're going to discredit him is to make him look vain and to make him look like he's a, 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 a crazy dictator who's you know living in squalor, like he's an insane person. So if you show pictures of his house and his house is all fucked up in disarray and there's blood all over the place and there's just garbage everywhere and then you show pictures of his beard and it's black... He looks like a nutty man. Do you, you, you see the video of him but, there just watching TV, though? Yeah, where, but how where, do you know that's him? Yeah, but, but that first could of all, be anybody. First of all, though, here, well, and he's got a white time, beard in that but, video, but for by anybody the way. who talks about conspiracy and the idea that this might be a fake story, anybody, take a look at how the U.S. government works. Take a look at, for example, how these operations work. Let me tell you something. When you do a, when you do a major operation like that, you've got SEAL Team 6. First of all, it's got to go through all kinds of civilian channels right mm -hmm. away. And they have to be privy to all kinds of information, not to mention the Security Council and everything else. If you take a look at, and I'm talking about the hundred people at least who have top secret clearance, who all have different agendas mm -hmm. and have no interest in glorifying Barack Obama at all, a lot of those people. 
all of them. I mean, the, the the idea that you could ever pull off this 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 fake assassination of Osama bin Laden after we've been trying to get him for this long is is it wouldn't work even in a Hollywood movie. And when you talk about fake stories, what the CIA was doing with those fake stories was they were leaking them, it's true, to 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 on Al Jazeera and things like that, but mainly what they would do is they want to get information out of you and you're a young man who believes in your iman and you got, you got captured. They'll show you a fake headline of the New York Times and they'll say, look what happened. All your guys have been killed and all of them are singing like canaries. They used all kinds of techniques of course. like that. There's no doubt that you don't want to trust the CIA, but the, the, the what's wonderful about our government, and, and this is just a fact, because anytime you try to keep a secret or come up with a huge conspiracy like this, you're dealing with 16 other people who have a totally different agenda, who, would do, who want nothing more than to expose you. And anytime you have a group of people, whether it's Kissinger and Nixon or whoever, who try to come up with their own agenda to steer foreign policy, or my God, come up with a way to glorify their president, which is what this did for the Democrats. And, and I'll tell you something, the Republicans are going to have no, they, they can no longer use the notion that Obama is weak on terrorism for this upcoming election. So I can promise you there were plenty of Republicans who would have loved to have taken credit for this. You, 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 you'd have to go through, it'd be basically impossible. I mean, you can't, and by the way, launching a team like SEAL Team 6, that was so what was interesting about this was it was so risky for the president that that notion here's why if you're if you're young and you don't vote this is why forget the platform you're on whether you're republican or democrat when you vote for a president make sure that guy has wisdom make sure that guy is an intellect and he has wisdom and here's why when you're the president of the united states you have very little power but you also have a great deal of power and this is how it works they come to you with six different scenarios and they say mr president we have a lot of intelligence to suggest that Osama bin Laden, who's been protected by the ISI and whoever it is in Pakistan, he is living in a compound. Now, we could drop, here was one of the options, we could drop 60,000 pounds worth of bombs on that and create a crater and comb the place for DNA and see if it really was him. Or we can send in a crack commando team like SEAL Team 6 and take this guy out. Why is that risky? Well, here's why. A couple reasons. Uh, you're sending in a team. It is a third of a mile or something crazy or three miles less away from a what, what, what Pakistan's West Point is, this huge military facility. They're going to scramble jets, which they did, and a whole bunch of other things the minute they start hearing gunshots right, right in their quarters. And by the way, there are a lot of people in the military who probably know he's already there anyway. So we send on our team. If Americans die and we fail at this or our helicopter stalls, which it did, you are taking. You, you can say goodbye to your fucking your election. So you had all those guys in that war room: Hillary Clinton and Gates. Hillary who was wasn't the there. The Didn't you see the news headline? She was photoshopped out of the picture. Oh, they photoshopped her out. A couple countries photoshopped her out. That's funny because she's, wow. she's a woman. But but, awesome. but but the bottom line is, you see all these people, including <laughs> Obama, sitting there with incredible, ten, incredibly tense faces, and he took the weekend to think about whether or not to move in on that. And that's where the responsibility. So you, so you think that the president really gets that kind of a control? I know he does. You know, I, how do you know he does? Because because how can you because say I, I read American history. In the Hangover forget, too. No, no, yeah, but read but, any biography but, from you, a president. Do you think that? Do you really think that there's one guy that gets to make the call? That that is how our government works. The final, the commander in chief makes the final decision when you give him four or five, six, seven sure. scenarios. And by the way, those scenarios come from the Department of Defense, Pentagon, State Department. 
They come from your secretary of state. They come from your CIA so director. So literally, there is no military industrial complex. There's one guy that's got his finger at the button. And he's able well, to push no, all the switches. That's not what I said. What I said is that there's... And he gets to make the call. The military industrial complex is so many competing interests as well. Right. But, but it is true that there's a lot of profit in war, but there's also a lot of risk in war. I but, agree with everything you said. I agree with everything you said about the, the SEAL Team 6, the baddest motherfuckers in the world. These are the guys that, by the way, if you don't know, being a SEAL is incredibly difficult. Then they take the best of the SEALs and 50 fucking percent of them wash out because they can't handle what it takes to be in T SEAL Team 6. I mean, I've read uh, the Dick Marchenko books and all the, the dude, it's, they're, another, they're on another level of human being. They're different. They're on another level of human yeah, being. Yeah. Boss Rutten was telling me how he trains the SEAL Team 6 and there's a record they had for running up and down this hill. Mark Hominick had it. He ran up and down this hill four times. This is a huge hill. The SEAL Team's guys, they did it 12 times and Boss had to stop them because he thought they were going to die. Jesus Christ. They're, they're on another level. They're on another level. Different and, Yeah, and they're not going to do, they, they all have different agendas, but the, the bottom line is the government has lied about a bunch of stories like this in the past. Except Jessica for? Lynch is a, is a perfect example. Yes, There's the woman that was, they, she was inside of a fucking hospital and they pretended there was this crazy gunfight to get her out and rescue her from the Iraqis. And what, what really turned out was it was just a girl in a hospital but and there was no bullet shot at all. To your point, and that what you just said, let me, let me piggyback on that. Exactly. Okay. Now, it would have been in our interest. It would have been very much in our interest to say uh, Osama bin Laden had a machine gun and was shooting at us. And you know what happened within, within hours as the story started unfolding? Mm -hmm. The truth came out. And you know what that was? A woman was in front of him. She charged. The guy shot her in the leg. Mm -hmm. And Obama, I mean, Osama was not armed, yet the guy shot him in the head. Now, right. now let me tell you, that's been a question. And, and Bang Si Moon, I think, of uh, uh, the Secretary General of the United States, uh, United Nations, came out and said, well, you know, there was no trial. That's a bit barbaric. I don't know if that was who, who said it. But there was a lot of backlash and said the guy was the guy was unarmed. Why the fuck didn't you arrest him instead of shoot him? And by the way, when they shot him, they had a picture. Uh, the picture had the reason they haven't released it is because part of his skull got blown away. Now what they do, which why is don't really they just Photoshop that out, well, blur, what, blur that out, but, and release but, but, the picture. But here's put, here, put a kitten on it. Wait, wait, <laughs> Brian wait. style. Here's what they Red did. Here's style. what they did. When the SEAL team, how about this guy? He shoots Osama bin Laden in the head. He takes a picture of it. He faxes. He scans and sends that to 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 the office where they're all there. All mm -hmm. these people are there. Mm -hmm. They get this picture of Osama bin Laden's face. How do you know it's his? They put it through a facial recognition scan right away, mm -hmm. which is about about as they take the geometric portions where your nose, your eyes. It's as, it's like a fingerprint, mm -hmm. and they go, guess what? That's a match. That's Osama bin Laden. Then they take DNA as well. Mm -hmm. Then they got the body. And you know how many people saw his body? Probably, literally, a hundred. All the SEAL team guys, all those people on that ship that dressed the body, that read the rights, and then dumped him at sea. Which, according to Islamic law, you got to bury a body 24 hours after it's been killed. Yeah, but not supposed dead. to be at sea. Well, the, the reason Doug Stanley had a great point. But the reason they didn't they did it at sea is because no country, including Saudi Arabia, where he's from, would take that body. Right, no because country. then it would be a, a it'd martyr. Be a shrine. It'd be a shrine. Right. And um, Doug Stanhope had a great point. He said, "How come these uh, they identified his body within an hour? Yet it takes these poor fucking guys that are wrongly accused thirty years to get a DNA match <laughs> That's to get out of prison. It's so true. Doug Stanhope was amazing. It's so true. But it's, you know, this it's, this, it's, this it's is a perfect point. I mean, yeah. what the fuck, man? Is it is it really that important to kill some guy living in squalor? I mean, is it that much more important than, than rescuing citizens that are wrongly accused? It's, it's a good question, Joe, because it also raises, this assassination raises a fuckload of questions. One of which is, now that we've gotten the big, the big name, mm -hmm. 
do you have a justification for being in Afghanistan? No, you don't. You never did in the first place. Listen, man, we're in in Afghanistan for minerals and probably heroin. (laughs) That's what we're in Afghanistan for. The Taliban had dropped heroin production down to minuscule levels. Now the United States is over there and we produce shit. More than 90% of the world's heroin in Afghanistan. More than 90% of the world's heroin is grown. That's, that's, the world is big. The world is big as fuck. And if 90% of the Viagra was grown in one little village, guess what? We would infiltrate that culture. We would find a way to corrupt them and turn them into terrorism. We would have them attack ships or blow things up. And then we'd use that as an excuse to go in and jack their Viagra. That's what we would do. Because that's what we've done forever. That's what we do. If there was, Viagra was, look, dude, big dick, hard dick pills are very fucking valuable, right? If you didn't, if they didn't exist. The Chinese would kill like tigers and get their In Afghanistan, in Afghanistan, the number one way that they bribe warlords, because if you don't know, the way Afghanistan is structured today in 2011, the reason why it's an unwinnable country and an unwinnable war, because it's not a country. It's It's a series of warlords that are all kind of interconnected and they they all live in these villages. Always has been. Yeah, always has been and it's not going to change the way they get them to rat on the taliban is they give them viagra that's the number one way yes yes they sit them down and yes the government sits them down and they say listen we'll, we'll get you guns i have guns Get them out of here. We'll give you women. I have 20 wives. I can't even fuck them. We can help you there. <laughs> you know, That's you know, what it is. You know what? I, when I was there for 11 days, and one of the things that starts with the Marines, you know, what, you know what's huge in Afghanistan? Fucking boys. No. Well, uh, no. All <laughs> yeah, of them, right? Um, Isn't well, it? Well, 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 that's a lot of these with the forums, say. Uh, no, I it's don't true. Know no, that's true, no, man. No, no, I have a no, friend no, who went over there. He no, caught a guy out. fucking a boy. They right? all have satellite yeah. dishes. They have satellite dishes. And satellite dishes bring them porn. Oh, and nice. porn is fucking huge. Because we're all humans. We all want to fucking bang. It's funny. There was uh, some, you know, everyone keeps on, all these Osama stories are coming out. And they're saying, like, people are saying that Osama was a huge video gamer, that he used to play Guitar Hero. Uh, and so it's like all these bullshit stories now are coming out. He would have his children turn. Yeah, we <laughs> see the one guy who said he was a black belt in judo and he had yeah. photos of him. Dude, the motherfucker yeah. didn't look Dude, I, I do want to smoke his weed, though. I'm gonna, I bet he's when got Osama, some killer crops. When Osama, when Osama bin Laden would listen to the news, he'd have his children stand by the TV and when the music part would come up, come on, they would turn it down because he didn't It wasn't. He was, he was. didn't want to listen to music. It would corrupt him. Uh, That's how fucking crazy he was. What a silly fuck. Yeah, the crazy thing bad. is that he used to work for us. He used to be with the down with the CIA when we were training the mujahideen to fight against the soviets that yeah, motherfucker he, was yeah. down he wasn't America. actually he never took a, a paycheck from the cia but he did um he he was uh he did himself open a lot of hospitals with his own money and things like that to, uh, during the mujahideen during uh when the soviets uh, were um, invading and and colonizing trying to colonize uh, afghanistan if you were going to have a story that was going to i mean again you know the view that the world is a theater played out for your own enjoyment yeah. if you were going to have this story come to any conclusion this was this is the best conclusion ever yeah. okay because if this was a fucking movie all right if this was the hulk and the bad guy and just died mysteriously and then they dumped him in sea they'd go okay and you'd buckle up and the credits would roll and you go fucking for sure there's gonna be a sequel for sure that guy's coming back yeah. they yeah. dumped him and then they're gonna show you how he didn't really die and he right. can't you know and then right. they fucking they snuck him he, out the back the re- and shot the, some other guy in the head and said it was him even the assassination was pretty badass man they got they had to come in there with three helicopters sure. if it really happened that way One when crash. you hear about the jessica lynch story you have to wonder man you have to wonder how much of this story is true and how much of it is not if is it possible that they storm this fucking compound there are a bunch of islamic militants there there are a bunch of bad guys they were looking for it they they cap these mother 
motherfuckers, but there's no Bin Laden. They say, all right, here's what we do. We, we, we know what we're doing here. We're going to take Bin Laden. We've had him on ice for five years, and we're going to say we shot him. And we're going to fuck these guys uh, up. Well, we're going to fuck well, up their mindset. And they're going to go, he wasn't there. It, we've been looking for him. He's not. We were, we've, we've been telling them this whole time. Yeah, they're, they're, they're fucking hiding Bin Laden. And that's why we need to go to Pakistan with these drones and shoot hellfire missiles out of these drones to the mountainside to fuck all these people up. It's because they've got Bin Laden. Meanwhile, they're like, he's fucking dead. We're telling you Bin Laden's been dead forever. I haven't seen him. Uh, Have you seen him? I haven't seen him. I, I think it actually puts the U.S. in a really tough position because now you've got a lot of people asking very tough questions of Pakistan saying, you guys yeah. No, he was there and Pakistan has been our ally for the most part they're not really but they've, they've ostensibly been our ally because we need them we a lot of our well our they're friends we pay is, we pay right. them to be our friends but, but, but the, the most dangerous country in the world in a lot of ways is, is Pakistan they have a hundred nuclear weapons and growing and they've already given that technology already to Libya North Korea and um, uh, who the fuck else um, one other people one other person, one other group of people. And and to this guy, A.Q. Khan, they, they had complicity with the Pakistani military. And th there's no doubt that, the, that Pakistan has its own agenda. They're a fucking, they're terrified of India. They use, see, here's the thing about foreign policy nobody thinks about. We have our agenda, right? We go in with, well, we're going to go into Afghanistan. The motherfuckers that live there and around there, they go, you guys are going to be gone in 10 years. We got to deal with what's really going on. So you want us to be mean to the quote-unquote Taliban, like you said. You know the Taliban is? It's the dude with the biggest fucking guns and the most drugs, okay? Yeah. That's who's going to be holding the cards after you guys leave. So after your centralized government, that big experiment where you have democracy in a country that's always been a series of tribes, you're going to tell me that, what are you going to do then? We have to deal with that fucking mess. We got to deal with that lawless area, Waziristan, etc. And that's what's funny. They kind of just wait and let us spend a shitload of money. And then they're like, ah, oh, look, a vacuum. <laughs> and they just fill it up and it goes back to normal. That's the fucking tough thing about foreign policy, man. Yeah, it's uh, it's a very tricky thing, man. It's a it's a very tricky thing to go nation building. It's a game, isn't it? Yeah, well, it's nation it's, building is it's a, a dumbest resource idea. game. It's 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 so Get clearly dumb. a resource game because here's our biggest fucking physical threat of safety. You ready? Mexico. It's right next door. You can fucking drive there. Val Life is worth a nickel. It's in, and everyone's selling drugs. But it goes back to what you said. How we started this podcast. You said telling your daughter to do one thing, she does the other. Yeah. You think you can nation build at the at the point of a, the, from the barrel of a gun? Yeah. You think you can do that? You're going to tell people how to behave the minute you come in there and you're a foreigner who doesn't speak their language and you're telling them how to fucking live. What what do people do? The minute they do that, they go get the fuck out of here. And if I can't shoot you, I'm just going to keep my mouth shut. And when you're gone, spend all your money when you're fucking gone i'm gonna do whatever i want i'm gonna do what i'm supposed and to. and we only go places where there's something that's the only place where we go we pretend that there's these big issues it's just like i said about the country of pfizer that produces viagra yeah. if there was such a little land that produced viagra we would fucking steal from them we would rob them uh, mexico's I, got tacos and tacos aren't worth that much I, I i believe that the only thing that has They've resilience got the only thing that has resilience don't hate mexicans. the only thing the only way the only thing that changes anything in life and the only thing that has resilience is ideas. An idea is very powerful. When an idea takes hold, like the constitution of this country or whatever, when an idea takes hold, if an idea called democracy takes hold, it'll fucking change and bring down mm -hmm. military dictatorships. Take a look at fucking all of South America. It was all military dictatorships. 20 years, the notion of democracy, even as messy as it is, 
took hold, it was an idea that you just couldn't fucking argue with. Right. That's, by the way, what's going on in the Middle East. This spring awakening with all these young people mm-hmm. who, who could give a shit about Islam, what they really care about is having a better life for themselves and their kids, and they want education and freedom of speech and representative government, which are human fucking rights. You try keeping that. Now that that's out of the box, just try. Good luck to all the Qaddafi and all his assholes. Good luck trying to keep that a lid on that shit. You're not mm. going to do it. Because, because that's caught fire, and they've seen how the rest of the world lives. They can see it with their computers and their cell phones. And you're never going to be able to keep the fucking truth down. The two places, you can't do it in Cuba. One, the final vestige of that is North Korea. And those people are suffer so horribly it's sick but but that's the one place in the world that still somehow this 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 tyrannical dictator has the lid on but it there is a like we were saying there is evolution of freedom isn't there right but it's true that the cia is without a doubt involved in orchestrating a lot of these revolts i mean we it's not that these things are happening organically wesley clark in 2007 talked about the united states plan in all these different foreign countries and many of them that have dictatorships including libya Hmm. and he talked about the plans to overthrow libya and this was in 2007 it's true but you know the the this spring awakening really actually caught a lot of people on their heels and especially a lot of Middle East experts because well, I think all you need to do is push it and then it goes well what's all the, well the, how, you know how, how it happened in Tunisia a vegetable cart guy got these government officials came and they, they this is how the whole revolution started these these government guys said where is your license he didn't have a fucking license they threw his scales in the street and they took his fruit and smashed it you know what he did he fucking lit himself on fire Whoa. And he lit himself on fire in protest and that that proverbial match set off a fire across the Middle East. And Tunisia, this is the Egyptians? This is the Tunisians. And the Tunisians brought down a dictator who I believe had been in power for 25 years. He came down. His, name, his last name is Ali. And they brought that motherfucker down. They brought that whole government down because that kid lit himself on fire. And then it caught fire in Egypt. Take a look at Syria. Take a look at what um, Bashar al uh, They're going door to door in Syria right now. They're, they're, they're being brutal because they're fucking awful. But, well, they're, but they're scared. Thousands they're, they're of People, thousands of people are in the fucking streets, yeah. and that's and, and it's like the French Revolution. History keeps repeating itself. How much of it you think is orchestrated? How much of this is just uh, just natural that people are tired of being fucked with? And how much of it do you think is the United States? I think very little has to do with the United States. In fact, the U.S. doesn't. We can't even get our reporters into Syria. We can't even get reported. Right, when you so hear about a guy sense. like Wesley Clark, who's a fucking, what is he, a four-star general yeah, running but, but, for president, but, 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 and he says that the United States had been plotting this we'd COVID operation. We'd always been. Right. And the one so they thing, must have some influence on it. Uh, but I think in the sense that we're trying to, well, I mean, the, the influence we had, for example, in, in Libya was that we, along with our NATO allies, said let's we can't allow the, the Libyan military to fly over these rebel strongholds in these towns and just carpet bomb the fuck out of them and shoot them. we got to take, we got to create a no fly zone around these people. So in that sense, we did get militarily involved. It was very controversial. It still is very controversial. But, you know, the, uh, to, to an extent, I think that democratic countries, starting with Europe, and this was actually led by Europe, uh, they, they, they say, what is in our national interest? Mm-hmm. Is, it, is it still in our national interest for Gaddafi or Mubarak in Egypt, who'd been there for 30 years? Is it in our national interest for that guy to be in power? There is a, there is a convenience when Mubarak is in power and you say you can make a phone call to Mubarak and say hey um, you gotta you gotta cooperate with Israel 
because uh, it's in our national interest. Well, that's no longer the case. It's a different fucking ball game now. It's a different ball game. You're having to deal with the Arab street. You're having to deal with the will of the people. And uh, that's going to be very interesting to see how it plays out. That's what democracy is. Yeah. I feel um, like I literally feel like I'm on a... A political talk yeah, show. Like, <laughs> right. I'm actually starting to talk that way. So anyway, furthermore, blah, 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 blah. You know, when you, when you read shit like Confessions of an Economic Hitman and, you, you know, you, you see that we go only into countries that have massive natural resources that we want to stockpile and, and control, it, it makes you very skeptical about motivation. It makes you very skeptical sure. when you see all the money that people spend on war. And I'm not pro-socialist, but... I am pro fixing problems, and I think I don't. I don't believe necessarily in welfare. Like I don't believe that if you give people money, that you know you're gonna somehow or another improve their life because they're they, you know they were broke and now you give them money and now everything's gonna be great. No, because you're gonna develop a, a whole culture that expects to get a check for nothing, and then when you have that, you have no motivation, you have no work ethic, you have no enjoyment and satisfaction, you have no productivity. But I am for fixing schools. I am for trying to develop human beings that are going to contribute. And I think as a society and as a community and as a culture, that's one of the most important things we can do. Yet, we ignore that. We all know this and we ignore that and concentrate on boogeymen on the other side of the fucking planet where it's quite obvious that this is transparent game going on where these boogeymen just so happen to only be where the gas is. They just so happen to only be where the oil is. They just so happen to only be where the heroin is. I mean, you, well, it's I, I not think, that cut actual, and dry. It's not. And I, but I think also that the, the other question it raised is that anytime you have a country with a lot of natural resources, let's just take oil, which is traded openly on the world market and that none of us would go anywhere without oil. Okay, mm -hmm. We all need it. Uh, if you look at the history of oil, I'm not an expert on the history of oil. I did live in Saudi Arabia for three years, but you, you, you look at the history of oil, you look at, you know, and the Middle East, which was strategic because of that resource. The Soviets and the Americans were obviously always fighting over who had control of that. The, the, the Arabs, for the most part, created a little something called OPEC and said, fuck both you guys. We're going to, we're going to start, right. we're going to start controlling our own idea. But the idea of pan-Arabism, which is the notion that all the Arabs, that's what Saddam was saying. Those guys and, and Abdel Nasser in Egypt tried to do, they tried to bring all the Arabs together under one banner. It's you're never gonna do that because people are nationalistic. People go, I'm Libyan first, I'm not Arab, I'm Libyan, right. I'm I'm Egyptian, you know. Right. And it just never worked. But but um you, you look at you look at how there was so much there was so much involvement and vying for those resources between two two superpowers that of course of course shit is going to get crazy. Of course when Saddam Hussein makes a huge mistake and invades um, Kuwait uh, and we come to his, we not only come to his rescue, but we use Saudi Arabia, the land of Muhammad, the, where, where Islam started and, we ha and we're launching planes out of Saudi Arabia to kill other Muslims. For a guy like Osama bin Laden, that was the equivalent of slaughtering pigs in a synagogue. For those guys, they were like, you're out of your fucking mind. We're, we, now the imperialists, whatever you want to call them, are actually killing Muslims from 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 the original caliphate state you fucking not? and that was one of the things that radicalized him when, when these My are the point. kinds of things that you're right i mean it, it, it there's there's always the cia has an idea they want to do something mm -hmm. but when you say we by the way again it's a lot of different people in a room that come up with an idea but let's just say let's just for for, for let's just simplify it and say the cia or the u.s government at the time uh they say we want this this is our agenda one thing that they always talk about is there's always 
circumstances that unfold that none of us had any fucking idea would happen. It seems to be that's the way life is. You got one plan and everything goes to shit. You know, I mean, you could make the argument, by the way, that the idea that we killed Osama bin Laden has raised a whole bunch of questions a lot of people don't want to answer from a political point of view. So, you know, uh, this is a, and, and so it goes. It's a verb. What I was, my point was, not that why do we go to war? Mm. Why don't we spend money on the things that we really need to spend money on? Do. Why do we spend all this money on war my, my and not we spend? Do. We do. We don't spend nearly enough, dude. There's massive school cuts right now. That raises the question. Massive, massive school cuts right now. There's fucking no community centers in these in these bad neighborhoods. It's true. There's no guides. There's no counseling. If you wanted to look at the one huge problem that we have, it's babies and children growing up and becoming shitty human beings because there's no love, because there's not getting any help, and we're not putting money in that the, at all. The question. The, the disproportionate amount of money we put in the military budget right. and compared to how we treat children in this country and raise kids and work on terrible communities and work on educating and, and getting people out of bad situations. And you say, oh, well, you know, they're going to figure it out on their own. You don't have a fucking clue what kind of a disproportionate life you would be living if you were born in the ghetto. If you've ever been around the projects, if you've ever been around terrible neighborhoods. I, I, I never lived in a really bad neighborhood, but I lived in Jamaica Plain in Boston, and it wasn't good by any stretch of the imagination. And there was a lot of really poor people around me, but we would go into really bad neighborhoods. We would go to buy pot. We would go to to do different shit. We would go just because it was dangerous. You know, we were young kids. We were close to bad neighborhoods. There's people living in ways that you can't even wrap your fucking head around. Yeah. And there's not much ways out of there. You're, yeah. you're there and you Baltimore grow Baltimore is a classic example. I How about fucking there. Detroit where 50% of the people yeah. can't read? It's unbelievable. That's a real statistic that just came out. It was actually 47%. The, the, 47%. You can't say that that's an even playing field. And there, you can't say that no. for the human race, that doesn't need to be addressed and helped. Absolutely. And but, it's not about getting welfare mothers money so they can keep shitting out kids. It's about helping the fucking kids. The welfare mother might already be fucked. Her, her programming might already be jacked. She might already be on some downward you know, addiction spiral. Who knows? But well, you can help that kid. But, you know, one of the things that, that's always raised with social scientists is they say there are a lot of cases in this country where you threw a lot of money at a problem. Let's take Head Start as an example. and, and uh, or, or just a lot, of, a lot of the money that Bush spent on education, which was a lot of money right. over the past eight years. Why in the world didn't a lot of test scores in certain segments of society, they didn't budge and sometimes they went, they went down. Even you because spend all that, that money, those that teachers spend, aren't making shit. Right, you're spending the money the wrong way. The money is being spent too much in this area than not, than not that area. And that's the challenge of a government. That's the challenge of a bureaucracy. You, get, you, you tax, you have a lot of money. Trying to find out how to spend that money and where to spend that money has always been yeah, but a the, very the proportion, a big challenge. For, the proportion for any, any, any of that government. money is the problem. The proportion is tiny compared to the problem it's tiny the salaries that teachers get is unlivable and that is a really important part of being a human being if you look back on your teachers that you had and how much they influenced you and how much power they have over you this is the person that stands in front of the class and tells you how the that's fucking right. world works and when you're a kid that's a huge a huge responsibility that many times is bestowed on idiots it's bestowed on idiots and they took this job because they couldn't get another job and they're fucking by bitter the way, and though, cunty by the way try with the teachers unions and then just try getting just try firing a teacher who has tenure because they've been teaching for three years in a lot of di districts just try now in but high schools they get tenure like that it's so hard to fire a teacher schools? yes it is so well there's a documentary for mm. everybody to watch called Waiting for Superman but forget that there's an article just now in the New York Times about about um, 
trying to get, uh, I think it was in the state of Ohio, just trying to get one law passed, one law, one law that makes it, you know, uh, harder for a teacher to get tenure or easier to hire a high quality teacher in place of someone who's not performing. You are dealing with fucking 65 different interests with a lot of lobbying power, starting with the teachers union that also then has a subsidiary called the Chicago Teachers Union that has a subsidiary called the County Teachers Union. And you're dealing with fucking the, the reality of trying to make a law go through. Holy shit, man. Holy shit. Yeah. Talk to a senator sometime. Say, hey, I want to get a law passed, and it's a simple one. Talk to him and see how long it takes, and how many years, and how many people you got to pay off, and how many people you got to convince that How many lobbyists interest, you have to have on how your many side. Interest, yeah, because a lot of people go, the problem with the law is two things. You pass the law, it does one thing. It puts a whole bunch of people out of business and a whole bunch of other people in business. And any law you pass doesn't go away in this country. And you know why? Because a whole cottage industry grows up around around that law that's why oh yeah we've talked about that many times especially when it comes to drugs i mean there's a reason why people that's are still right. trying to keep marijuana illegal look folks we have more than 50 percent of the people in prison today in this country are in prison for nonviolent drug offenses wow. and there are a tremendous amount of private prisons in this country and we're and all paying it's for a it. business yeah. and we we have to wrap our heads around the fact that there's some sort of a creepy situations happen where there's a lot of money and keeping people in jail and because of that there are make no doubt about it the prison guard unions and all, all these you know various law enforcement unions they are not lobbying to keep marijuana to make marijuana legal they don't want it at all because it's a part of their their economy yeah. it's a part of their their whole situ yeah. situation that, this this is what happens in life is that, you know, a lot of people have a vested interest. That's why being a politician or a president, they're, they're the old saying, when you're a president, you make a, you make one decision, you, you, you make 50% of the people happy and another 50% of the people out there hate your guts. It, 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 there's no way to avoid that when you have power. There's tenure, no tenure for uh, a, a teacher is almost, it's, it has some of the elements of intellectual um, welfare. Absolutely. In, in, in That's that, a great way to put it. That's in a that, fucking great way to put it. You know it. what I mean? In that. Wow. It, it sounds like a good idea. Like what you're going to do is you're going to make it so you can't get fired. So you are allowed to be free with your ideas and you don't have to worry about the repercussions of your of your free thinking. And this is going to promote thought. But the problem with that is when you know that you can't get fired, you become a cunt. And that's just what people do. It's it's natural. It's just you, you like know, welfare. I, I was doing stand-up in, I think it was Kansas City. I talked to a principal who came to my show. I said, give me your, your take on the education system. And he said, education system's fine. I said, what do you mean? He goes, education, my school is amazing. But you know what the problem is? Parents. A lot of parents suck. They, they suck. And a lot of it is this culture that doesn't put a premium on education in a lot of places. The idea that you got to work your fucking ass off against insurmountable odds for anything. All that yeah. stuff. I mean, you know. Well, kids in where we live, there's a, an even trickier element. There's this fucking weird escape clause where you can become famous for nothing and then you get millions. And so instead of working your ass off for almost nothing after taxes, you look at Kim Kardashian who just fucks somebody and, and makes a video of it and then gets a TV show where they follow her around she does nothing to contribute she's not saying anything but yet she's making millions of dollars and good for her you know i'm not hating on her good for her but to kids that all of a sudden becomes this goal this weird uh, fucking this weird like clause in the contract it's this weird little escape clause yeah. and a few people find it and yeah. they they get through the system and all of a sudden look at this person making millions of dollars for yeah. kim kardashian made something like 60 million dollars last so year fucking 
It's like insane. It's, it's, it's crazy money. You know what I mean? She's in every time I go to the fucking airport and I throw my, my keys in the, the, the bin, I see her in some Skechers ad with her fat ass sticking yeah. out. Yeah. And she's wearing some sneakers. It's, it's supposed great, to make it's you fit. It's a great ass, though, by the way. I like her ass. Is it even real? Yeah, it is. It's is real. it totally real? I believe her breasts are real, by the way. Really? Yes. I, th I think you she's believe in Santa Claus, too, motherfucker. Listen, I, that bitch mostly, is always getting her hair. face that carved is, up. That is my type. But she's always getting her face carved up. Why I don't would think you? So. Yes, she is. There's been a bunch of photos. had any. Kardashian? You're crazy. I'm you haven't seen the photos? No. Dude, you got to look online. You're going to make them. You made a mistake. Really? There's her face all puffy and I shit. Looking like a cat woman. I'm not listening. I'm not it was listening. like right after she had a procedure. Come done. on. Yes, without a doubt, now, man. Come on, I had to live in makeup. I worked with her on uh, How I Met Your Mother. And she, she what do I give a fuck where you work? She looked normal. Listen, pal, this, this girl's had. <laughs> I just start lying. Start this girl lying. has had plastic surgery, without a doubt. And, you know, whatever, man. I mean, if that's your business, your business is staying hot. I guess what you got to do, what you got to do. She's only like 26, right? She's fine. She's delicious. Let me see. You like that? Yeah. I like That's my type. What are you doing? You looking for the photos here? Uh, well, we'll, uh, we'll find them and I'll show them to you later because this is going to be a pain in the ass. But what, what my point is, and you and I have both talked about this, and I, I did get out of here for a little while, but moving to somewhere where that's not an influence. Is that even possible anymore, though? Because that influence is sort of like all over the country now. I don't know. I, 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 that's a good question. I think, though, at the end of the day, you're still going to have a lot of people who keep holding on to what's important because life is basically a kick in the nuts and it's going to teach you that shit. You know, you still got to compete. You still got to fight gravity. You still got to find fulfillment in accomplishment. And the only way to accomplish something like a black belt in jujitsu is fucking roll all the time for four or five, six or seven or ten years. If you want a black belt, that's what it takes. If you want to know that you truly are, you know, somebody that can tie somebody in a knot, and I'm speaking metaphorically in anything, it takes a long fucking time. You want to be a good stand-up? You want to be? You want to make people laugh all over the country? I'll see you in ten years, minimum. Right? Yeah, if you're so, lucky. So I mean, in a way, if you're lucky, in a way, life is gonna life kind of sorts itself out. So people worry about. I think I think it's always been well. These people are, you know, I mean, I don't know of any story in the world or any leader in the world who didn't complain that his followers, for the most part, were retards and and you know, he owe to change and get people to understand what's important. That's what every religious leader from from Christ on, you know, from Moses, for God's sake, 5,000 years ago. My people don't know what's important. Here are the fucking commandments, you pagans. You know, it's always been that. It's always been people have always, who are older always been like, you fucking kids are partying too much. Stop with all the fucking and the drinking and the booze and, and, the, and you know, and, and, and the drugs. God here's told what's, me here's what's important. Yeah. Right. And if you don't, you're going to get struck down by lightning. So you to, I'm going to scare the shit out of you for your own good. Right. And ultimately, all these things are in place so that we can have this society, so that people can survive so that people can keep breeding so we can continue doing what we're doing man's which sort animal. of centers around technology yeah man's a social animal we've always you know we've always had a war with nature anyway that's kind of like what well, we're the only animal that has a symbiotic relationship with an artificial life and that artificial life is technology mm -hmm. you know you could say technology is not alive but I mean we use the word evolution to for culturally earlier use the word evolution for machines and if you look at simple machines that were around you know 50 60 years ago and you look Look at the complex machines now with the, 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 the microchips that are just powering your fucking cell phone and wh where this is all headed in some sort of a weird direction. We are inexorably connected to this technology. When, 
inexorably, is that the word? Inexorably. Inexorably connected to this technology. Our society is connected to it. I mean, this is what the Unabomber was terrified about. This is when, you know, he That's took... That's right. That was his manifesto. Yeah, he that was his all about. Technology will get to a point where it no longer has a respect for its biological heritage. Yeah, and people can say, it's not a life form, it's not a life form. You're right, you're right, it's not. There's no blood in it, and there's no tissue, there's no cells. But what is it? It's sure. something that's growing and evolving. You can say that it's not a life form. But what is a, a fucking human being? A human being is some sort of a weird biological computer that's riddled with bacteria. We're that's also what we coming are. up with synthetic DNA. We're yeah. coming up with we're, we're not just living. We're, we're coming up with living. We're coming up with man-made bacteria, basically. And, you know, this is one of those conversations that inevitably, when whenever we have this sort of conversation on the message, on the uh, the podcast, on my message board, someone will come up and go, this fucking bullshit, stoned hippie talk. It's always some aggro fuckhead with a poor argument, and they get upset about it. But the, the, the bottom line is, with all this hippie talk, is, you know, everyone's like, why are you thinking about that? Why are you thinking about, like, where's it all going? Where's it all going, man? It's going nowhere. Shut up. Go to work. The, the reality is, that it, it, something is happening, and for whatever reason, we have an instinct to ignore it. It's not hippie talk anyway. By the way, you think it's hippie talk? Take a look at what computer scientists are talking about. Of course, computer scientists and scientists in general are talking about evolution in in terms of you, human beings can control and are controlling their own evolution. So it's not hippie talk at all. In fact, it's cold hard scientific talk. It is cold hard scientific talk, but it's also it's theoretical. Talk. Yeah, it's theoretical. It's also stoner talk yeah. it's also the kind of things you but that's why weed is so awesome you fuck but it's so not just but, but stoner talk in 20 years you we are going to like it or not have to contend with tech, technological advances that are that are so far beyond what most of us are dealing with today biocompatible technology things that fit into your body that make you remember faster keep you awake longer replacement parts all kinds of shit. bionic man bro sure yeah. So, yeah. so, so these are realities that are going to affect how you make a living, what you talk about, what you listen to, what your children are influenced by. So anybody who thinks they can stay out of this debate or even this discussion is kidding themselves, man. You're kidding yourself. It does have an air of silliness to it. It's, it's got an air of man, you know, there's something to it when you're, you're considering, you know, these, these really fantastical possibilities and probabilities of the exponential growth of technology. It does have this sort well, of I, I, silliness to it. I think that's it. kind of where, where spiritual conversation comes in with the notion that, yes, we have have all these technological advances, but the same old questions that a human being is going to have to answer for himself are still going to exist. Sort of. I, won way, you know? I wonder if it's there for the same reason why when your dick is hard, you don't even think about putting a condom on. You just stick it in there. It's because, yeah, just whatever. Just get in there. Oh, fuck, I made a kid. It's almost like it's designed that way. And our, our, our mass... You know, the, the huge percentage of the population is not thinking about the uh, eventual upcoming technological singularity. They're just not. Yeah. And, and if you bring you it up, it's like, to. oh, but silly. You don't, you don't have time. time. Right, 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 right. But I wonder if that's there for the same reason. It's the sort, same sort of an instinct that makes the hard dick stick it in without a condom to make sure it happens anyway. It's like this crazy instinct to do, oh, fuck yeah. Just, yeah. just don't come inside me. Okay, okay. Well, oh, shit. You well, know, it's like, it's almost like it's well, engineered I, I think into us. It's the us. same reason whenever you start talking about, if, if 
science, a guy gets up and says, well, climate change and sea levels are rising. You talk to me about that. Talk, talk to me. I go, that's too big to think about. And I don't have any way to cool the fucking planet. So I'm going to change the channel right now. I'm walking away. Right. But when you talk ah, to you know. dopey Republicans about it, they go, let me tell you something about these liberals, these liberals and their climate control. Now, they've been going on and on about the climate control. This is what we know, ladies and gentlemen. We know that the climate has changed since the beginning of time. It's cyclical. Okay. Don't get in the way of big business and big industry. Okay. Because there's a reason why the United States of America is doing so well. There's a reason why we need this economy to turn around. And it's not liberals. It's not a goddamn sitting around with tambourines in a circle around a campfire singing Grateful Dead songs. Okay? All right. All right. We'll be right back. That's and good. you That's know what I mean? Good. And you get into that that's red, that right-wing rhetoric idea that, you know, like, ah, God, God, that settle kind of, down, yeah. hippies. You know what it, it, does? it allows things to happen. And it also it also stops the debate. It, it allows you to debate. stick your dick in without a condom because you're silly. The, the instincts are to fuck things up. The instincts are to yeah. make more people. The instincts are to continue the technological progress regardless of what fucking effect it but has remember on, this. on the Nobody, environment. His human history is one, the one constant in human history is that people were never able to see catastrophe as a group. It's true, yeah. World War One, World War Two, famines, the Black Plague, it never, it, you, it, it, we are not good at predicting major fucking issues and yeah. events. Whether it's a tsunami, all due respect to the people in Japan, or anything like that, we will human eventually, beings though, right? are not good at doing that. Well, we have We've technology. We've gotten a lot better. I mean, we have it technology used to be... that can say, "Hey, by the way, there's an earth, there's a twenty percent likelihood that a huge earthquake's about to hit in the next week." That I'm, I'm sure we'll get better at doing stuff. Yeah, like but that. Well, it used but, to be that you didn't know a tornado was coming until it killed you. You had right. no idea. You had to see but it. Look at Alabama. You had to go, oh shit! But in 2011, 300 plus people in Alabama in our country. Well, there's nothing they can do. There was nothing they was could do about that. It was a mile-wide tornado or something? a mile-wide tornado. Have you ever seen the, the destruction photos no, online? No. I tweeted them. They're, they're insane. Yeah. It, Tuscaloosa, Alabama was literally wiped off the map. I've never experienced in any way uh, nature's force like that. I, that must be so crazy terrifying. Yeah, and the crazy thing is it happens every year. There was something like 400 fucking tornadoes this year in but this country. But it's like you're in a house and it gets it gets picked Ripped up. apart, yeah. And you're in the house. Yeah. Like, you know, when there's a rainstorm and you hear thunder, you're like, let's let's cuddle up in front of the yeah. TV. That's my reality. But yeah. here's the thing. I would fucking move. Have you ever been in a hurricane? No. I've been in a hurricane. But the hurricanes that hit the East Coast, like up up in the Boston area, by the time they got up there, eh, right, not so much, right. not that big a deal, right. When you're in the and you, when you're in the middle, when it starts, when you're in the at the whatever they call it, the, the eye, eye of the storm, yeah. that's not the start. The start is the it's eye the is middle. the center when you fuck up and you go, well, it's over, and you well, step outside. How about those? How about those Air Force? How about those Air Force guys who fly into they that fly shit? Into that shit to test all the kinds of how nutty they're is that? They're in the middle of a fucking. How storm. insane is that? Well, because any other plane comes apart. Any other plane comes apart. They come apart. If you're a pilot, my dad was a pilot for 20 years. Uh, when you're a pilot, you fucking worry about thunderstorms. If there's thunderstorms, that is death. Yeah, you don't go scary. near a thunderstorm, man. That's scary shit. Doesn't matter if you're a 747 or and whatever. these guys just fly right into it. They fly. Why don't we make all planes out of the same shit they make those weather planes out of? I think because of. you can only have two or three passengers in it. You can't so have a, what? I'll can't pay more. Why would they make How it all awesome it would be box? if you were in a plane and you knew it couldn't break? Like, this cool. plane is never going to crash. That'd it flies into fucking hurricanes and shit. It's made out of the black box. I heard I heard the craziest... That's a stupid old hack joke. I know. I, it's, I heard uh, the craziest hippie uh, theory lately. I read somewhere today that uh, if you have a birthmark, that's where you were uh, murdered in a past life or killed in a past life. Is this from a girl that you're trying to bang? No. No, I read it on somebody's <laughs> Facebook or something. People, people come but up. It's kind of interesting. I would have been stabbed in the back of the head. Only interesting if you have brain damage. Right. 
People always <laughs> you stab them. That's, that's why you have a, a mole. Good, a good experiment. Right. What about fucking redheads? They're stabbed everywhere. No, no, no. I have a Gorbachev. Mole. They were shot. You and, shot I, you guns and I were talking about. You and, you and I were talking about the thing <laughs> about uh, the thing up. about the, the internet is that when you can get facts right away, like fact check. The thing is, like before that, you know, we all like just would just start saying shit. Like yes. just start saying anything. Like here's what I know, and this is the truth. Meanwhile, you do some checking. Like I've, I did recently. I've been going going back over my archives of the shit that I believe and say, and I'm. Like, oh, that's a big hole there. Uh, unfortunately, last time hole. you were here, there was one. There was one about the WikiLeaks. Right. There's yeah, a good example. The WikiLeaks one. You unfortunately said. Sorry that about that, everybody. WikiLeaks. Uh, apparently, they did remove names of all the people to protect the people, except people who are no longer with the CIA or whoever yeah. they were with, and you know they were already exposed. Right. Yeah, the WikiLeaks thing is a very tricky situation, man. You know, they're 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 going after that guy. Is I yeah, I don't know how guns I feel. Blazing. I don't know how I feel because I like transparency, but um. Uh, and, and I don't know. I don't know. Do you know, know out of the twelve we, uh, BP whistleblowers, all the twelve people that came forward about all the problems in the oil disaster, nine of them are missing, including people murdered, people, really? ass- one guy who survived an assassination attempt. It's it's really kind of freaky. It's kind of hard for BP to. I mean, and that, that was a hard thing to cover up. Uh, Is it the whole ocean? Uh, like, yeah. Well, here's a good way to cover it up: shoot everybody who knows anything. <laughs> <laughs> and it seems like that's actually happening. I need to. Uh, it's this this one site that had it I, I put it up on my twitter and it's getting crushed i can't get to it anymore um but uh there's there's something going on i don't, I don't know if it's true or not i need to uh i need to find out about this because it's pretty fucking fascinating the bp executives yeah i don't know i got confused yesterday i was driving down the alley and there was these three uh girls it's walking down the alley like i was like come on get the fuck out of the way so i can drive by they're like 15 16 year old girls all of them uh, just stopped and then flashed me, like pulled down their. I mean, moon, they mooned me. Seriously? They pulled down their pants. Where was all this? three of them in Burbank, and they, in the back of an well, alley. Why they did? Just in the back of like an they were alley. Fuck, yeah, they were fucking around. Like I have an alley in in my neighborhood. There's alleys, you right? Know, you know, and so they I'm driving. You or something? No, no, no. They're, I'm just driving, and I'm just like they're That's they're walking great. in front of me. Like I'm like, come on, get the fuck out of here! And suddenly they just all stopped. Pulled down their pants, mooned me, and ran away. That's but great. for a second, I was just like, "Yo, yeah, oh my God, it's all- oh, wait, oh, that's awful." If there's a broken bitch out there, Brian will find Dude, her. Dude, I did that to Nate. Brian Mark- will Nate- find her like a magnet Nate- to little metal particles. And, 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 Nate-, Nate Markor was, you know, Nate, Nate Markor. You know, he's a Joe, of course, knows him. But he was he was at my house and he was walking up the stairs. And I go, "Come here, I want to show you something. Come upstairs," because he had just gotten to uh, L.A. to come see my one hour. And and as he was walking upstairs, you know, he's like kind of a staid guy. And I and I I was bent over with my ass wide apart. And as he walked. <laughs> up the stairs he just goes he goes what that and he, i think he went what the fuck the same thing you said when you saw dicks and feet i got pissed listen out of the 12 people in question uh that were the bp whistleblowers nine are mysteriously dead one nearly died in a brutal assassination attempt one is imprisoned under questionable circumstances and another has simply disappeared you don't yeah i don't really believe that either and that guy in the questionable circumstances what questionable tax hey brian don't talk from the other room you fucking freak go piss how ridiculous is this guy trying to <laughs> scream in the other oh, room? Oh, so so after that this is happened, a show, sir. After that happened, I was in such shock, and I was going to Starbucks. I was in such shock, and so you were I, in shock because some girls mooned you. Well, I mean, that's pretty crazy seeing three girls' buttholes and vaginas that are underage, and you're just driving around like minding your own business. So I, I get out of my car and I go inside. Did you actually see their buttholes and vaginas, or did they have their legs? I remember and you just saw their cheeks. No, I remember at least one of them. I saw the like you know like the the whatever the plastic so I, I i'm like thinking about him i'm like what the fuck was that all about and i walk in and there's alan alda is that his name from mash right. just staring at me like this like he knew like he was just like shaking his head <laughs> you know it was so weird what 
It was what are you just, talking about? I don't get it. I walked in the Starbucks and Alan now it was and he was, was staring at you. He was just staring at me. But it was like right when I walked in, I was like, holy shit! This How is high the were weirdest. You? How high were you? I was super high when this all is this the most happened. Ridiculous conversation ever. You should have started <laughs> off this conversation by saying how high you were, because you're like Alan Alda was staring at me and he was like. And I was like really freaking out. Like, what the fuck kind of a conversation are we having here? What the fuck kind of, what kind of a story is that? It's, what happened to me you, yesterday? You left out big. the most okay. important part. Here's what I. This is one of the reasons why pot believe. should be illegal. Now I'm on the other side of the fence. I need some more weed later, but uh, here's what I don't believe. Want some right now? Yeah. yeah. Here's what I don't believe in. I don't believe in psychics. I don't believe that corporations like BP have anything to do with, uh, like, are able to pull off murders or any well, of that stuff. Well, wait a minute. Wait, what are you talking man? about? You're all silly. wars are murder or based on oil. Yeah, and all wars are pr pr pretty much is. Wow, how loud is it wasn't that? Based on, wasn't, it wasn't based on. It wasn't based on oil necessarily. Why is it so loud? It's extra loud, right? Because you left it on all week and it's going to blow oh, the no. fuck up. No, it's. Touching something. There it goes. The war made the oil more expensive in a lot of ways, so I don't know why. Yeah, they're because they're, and they're making more money, those cunts. Yeah, but they're not the ones that, you know, 911 and all that. Move it. Yeah, it's not how things work. You, you, you say that, dude, but how can you say that with any level of certainty? That's ridiculous. I can say it with a lot of level of certainty. The no, same way I can tell people can't, can't say the future how like corporations like. are working when there's so many instances of corporations killing people. But they all have different. They all have different agendas. Is all I'm saying. Like if you're if you're a bank, you have a different agenda. When you than, watch you know, a movie, and you're competing against another bank. You know. And there's a movie where someone is, is trying to make money, and something goes wrong, and then they hire a hitman, Fiction. like Jason Statham. Right, based on what? Based on human fucking nature. We you know, know it's possible. We're not talking about superpowers. We're talking about someone having someone killed because it would cost them billions and billions of dollars. You don't think works. it's possible? It's a boardroom. You got a the bunch problem of with this decisions. BP story is it has all the elements of a, an internet hoax. You right. know, I mean, it's exactly. it's fantastic. It's it's unresearchable. Right. And I'm trying to and research it. And by the way, it keeps, if you're telling um, me that all those investigative journalists out there from all those newspapers who are always looking for a story wouldn't be all over that, believe me, they would be all over that. Yeah, man. Maybe, but this is this is sort of like some kind of shit that you have to be really, 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 really sure about. You're not going to get this published in Time Magazine. I want you on your on your podcast to bring a reputable investigative journalist on this show so we can talk about about what a news. Yeah, hello, reputable works. investigative journalist. I want you. To, this is called the volcano, and what's inside here is marijuana vapor. It's way better for your lungs. Have them come in. Why here? This here. is this is legit, bro. We're ranked on iTunes. We're like number two. Are you? Yeah, it's always like some number one or number two. Anything you number, It was number five. Anything and, um, Joe Rogan does doesn't surprise me. Joe Rogan oh, can do so it all. Sweet. You've always been a winner, my friend. And I love you. I love you too. But I think it's sweet talking. You are very important. I'm not that high, I'm telling you. Why is it so <laughs> harsh on the throat? Because uh, I think your thing is too hot. Really? Yeah, I think it's <laughs> smoking it too much. Sorry about that. <laughs> all right. Yeah, you might be right. I'm going to kill it. <clears throat> Volcano's very tricky. Some guy just got life in jail for his third weed. Um, third weed. <coughs> I'm never going to be able Is that sound camera? I'm never going to be able to run for a Fourth. Long. Fourth marijuana conviction gets Slidell, Louisiana. <laughs> Man, life in prison. He's a repeat offender. And by this uh, repeat, repeat offender, the jury found the defendant guilty of attempting to possess and distribute marijuana. Dude was selling weed. And they put him in jail for life. God damn. For life. And he's 35 years old. <laughs> Terrible. Like, that's ridiculous. It's terrible. It's a tragedy. It's, it's the only way pot kills you. There's two ways. Wait, There's, wait, wait. What was it all four times? The same thing? They would... Yeah, sells weed. 
All right, that, that guy probably deserves to be in jail. I think after the okay. second or third time, all right, dude, just but fucking start life, fucking get a different job. Okay, what, for selling weed? Dude, you, yes. you, you, no, the, the, the law is unjust. It's unjust. Right. This, yeah, but it's, it's not, not like a retard. He's hurting he's yes, he's definitely not the brightest guy in the world. But what he's doing is not hurting anyone. Right. Dude, we have too many fucking laws. You don't feel bad for him because it's not you, dude. No. Because it easily could be. I, I, don't I be silly. I think any strike, anything type strike things. Like, if you have four DUIs, I think you deserve to be fucking locked You're up. Right. You're just a fucking <clears> retard. If this guy's okay, selling weed. Okay, but four DUIs are dangerous. You're hurting people. You're scaring people. It doesn't matter. Risk Brian, that man, matters well, I mean, a lot. It, matter, it matters, but it also matters like this guy's been in trouble three times, two okay, times. Should have we didn't more, right? Okay, you're right, but <laughs> you're giving in. Law. You're giving in to the man. Yeah. You're you're right. saying whatever rules that you make, as illogical as they are, I'm going to follow by them because I don't want to get locked in a cage. <laughs> what I'm saying is, there's no way you should be locking someone in a cage for that. It doesn't make any sense. And if someone does that, they're the criminals. When you have a society, a complex society with a massive amount of access to information, and literally you can find the answers to any question instantly on your phone. When you have a law that's in place that's completely illogical, like marijuana law. And then you prosecute people for them, and then you lock them in jail. You are the criminal. You are the one who's going against logic and nature with all your fucking silly studies. Ron Paul just owned some motherfucker the other day on, on the Senate floor. And it, it was it, the guy was talking about yeah, marijuana. Yeah, because he said he said he thought heroin should be legal. Yeah. I think. And, and he he Ron Paul just clowned them about personal use, freedom <laughs> of use. And if heroin was legal, do you think we'd all be using heroin? Right, exactly. He just I mean it was so it was so on the money, man. About all of it, we need less fucking laws. All you people out there that are involved in this industry of laws and industry of of of, of creating jobs that that are attached to laws, you're leeches. You're, this is leeching off society. It's a fucking loophole. And if we got rid of that loophole and forced everybody that has some shitbag jobs for locking people up for pot, we would force those people to have more productive lives because they would have to evolve. I think you would have to contribute. I think that more than any other time in our country's history, the, the, the discussion about legalizing drugs is very much alive. And even politicians like Ron Paul, who have a, a growing following, are, are being taken very seriously. It's slowly when they evolving. Say, yeah, when they but say not we fast should legalize enough. drugs. Not fast enough for logic or my taste. It's not, not changing enough right. in my lifetime. It is changing. I mean, the, the, the climate here in California especially is really revolutionary. If you drive down the street near my house, there's fucking five weed stores in a one-block ratio, ratio or um, area. It's, it's really, that, that is incredible. But it's not changing <laughs> enough. There's still plenty of fucking morons with <laughs> silly ideas about forcing people into other... The, 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 there's a reason why the United States is not competing with the rest of the world as far as things we produce. It's because a lot of people aren't producing shit. They're just a part of some weird fucking system. Some weird industry. system. It's a very weird system that doesn't necessarily make any sense. Our financial system doesn't necessarily make sense. Our, 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 we, we're not, we don't really produce anything. You know, Putin said it best when he was analyzing the United States economy before the crash. He said, I don't understand the American economy. All they seem to be doing is buying and selling each other's houses. <laughs> And he's right. What the fuck else do we do anymore? We make Mustangs and Camaros and Corvettes and a couple other things. We have a very, In comparison, very, we have a very powerful um, uh, military. Uh, no, no, no. Um, um, computer industry. I mean, yeah, uh, we do that. Yeah. Innovation, art. Yeah. You and know, and medical lot. innovation and stuff like that. We got a lot of stuff. I, it could be argued, though, that if there were less laws and there were more freedom and there was less people in these fucking bullshit parasitic government jobs, that those people would be forced to contribute. Damn right. Maybe that's they would a, become a, cabinet makers. That's a huge, that's yeah. a great 
great argument. Maybe they'd become right. authors. You're right. They would be. They would contribute. Look, it is a, a form of social welfare to have shit jobs exactly. that aren't necessary. There, there, there was a great article in the Wall Street Journal about how a lot of states, three out of one job are government jobs, not not private sector jobs, yeah. not manufacturing jobs. When you hear so like the government created right. new jobs, and you know what a lot of those jobs are? They're fucking, surveyors. Exactly. And weird fucking government exactly. positions that are unnecessary. That doesn't build anything. That's not what made this country great. Yeah. Bureaucrats and you're absolutely right. That's and it is exactly a form right. of social welfare because if you give someone a job and make it so they don't have to find their path, it's like I've always said, the, the greatest thing that ever happened to me when I was 21 years old, I played the lottery once. I won a free ticket. I played it again. I won nothing. And then I was done. I said, I quit. That's it. Yeah. What if I was 21 and broke and scared and lost and I won the lottery? That would have been the worst curse ever. I would have never found my way in life. No. And if you get some shitty fucking easy government job that you can't get fired from and then that becomes your life, well, guess what? You're not going to find your place either, man. No. You're just going to, it's a form almost of social welfare. Yeah, it is. We need less, less of everything. I and that's agree. why a guy like Ron Paul's on the fucking money, man. That, Amen. that bad motherfucker. I love that guy. Oh, he's the best. And the other guy, Gary Johnson, the former governor of New Mexico, same thing. Yeah. Did Stanhope had a great point? He said, Thank I like him. He goes, same sense, less Jesus. <laughs> but I don't mind I don't mind Ron Paul's Jesus. <laughs> I don't mind any of it because the way he talks is the way what, what in my mind is America. What, what my mind because is, there's, believes, a, there's an ideal. He believes in personal freedom yeah. and responsibility right. and allowing people to make their own choices. And makes the call on what is really going on and why we're invested in all these different parts of the world and what we're really doing. He's honest about it. And he's saying, this is not what America should be all about. And he says that all the time. This is not what this constitution was, was supposed to mean. It's not what our founding fathers wanted. This is, the, the, we're, this is supposed to be the best example possible of what you can do. Do with a society. This is 2011. We've learned from the Greeks. We've learned from the Romans. We learned from the Nazis. We learned from everybody. We've got it down, but we don't. We don't, and we don't. And it's transparent how we don't. It's all there. Every time, like the, the Obama recently passed some fucking new law about genetically modified food, and it's gonna fuck over all these organic farmers, man. Mm -hmm. And this this shit's been going on for a while. Monsanto is involved with a lot of fucking creepy shit, man. And the government is be behind all this. There's a good book though about about that, and and. We we're, again, when you talk about technology, Monsanto and these other companies that do genetic engineering, the only way we're going to feed the growing population is through genetic engineering. It's true. Now, there's a, there's a good way to do it. There's a bad way to do it. Obviously, it comes with risks. It also comes with a great deal of promise. But genetic engineering is in all of your future, whether you like it or not. The, real, is, the real problem is We don't have the soil to, 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 to farm organically and feed all the people in Africa, for example, and right. et cetera, et cetera. Right, but isn't the real, I mean, the real problem is sustainability, but the real problem is also that you, you get to own that. You own a plant. And Monsanto it, is inherently, they're, they're, they're trying to, first of all, they tried to patent pigs. Do you know that? There's going to be a lot of that, and they're going to figure this out in the courts. But the bottom line is this. One thing that, one of the promises of genetic engineering is that we will maybe never have to use any pesticides and if you want to talk about agricultural runoff, that's one of the biggest forms of pollutants in all our waterways. So, for example, if you could come up with a kernel of rice, an apple that requires no spraying because in it, it has genes that are not only incredibly nutritious, but that can ward off any kind of a pest, that's something that is going to be in our future. It doesn't right. come with risks. Is Are there problems? Are, do, you, do I feel weird about taking the, the, the gene of a jellyfish and putting it into a strawberry because it actually keeps it from freezing so you can ship it farther? Yes. Yes. This is where Adam Carolla would come this. in. What we got here, <laughs> it, it's going to be great in about 10 years. <laughs> 
right now, you, you don't want to get in on the ground floor. You don't want to get in here with all this genetic engineering. You want to wait. He's, that's that. what he would do. Oh, by the way, we told him that you what you said to him oh, yeah. about the improv. He uh, actually repeated it. Yeah. He oh, repeated yeah. it to Two us point. and said that it, he was, it was the happiest he'd ever been. Yeah. And you made him so happy. And I, I concurred. I said, you know, I brought it up. I said, Brian Callen said this, and I think he's absolutely right. He's the best at, like, tying together he's these amazing. long rants oh, and a, making them work. Yeah. If, I, if I listen it to is. him, I can get him. I could start doing uh, I could yeah, play Adam Crowe yeah, in my yeah, act. Yeah, yeah. He's got, he's got a, uh, you know, one of those things. I think he was a. Yeah, he's kind of a, that smarty kind of Norm Macdonald. He's an, almost, he's an interesting but, uh, guy, man. Right. I really, I really like him. Smart guy. He's very smart, and he's very smart in a very unique and interesting way. My, my buddy boxes. He's very honest. Says that he's got heavy hands. He says that. Really? Guy, yeah, he's a good boxer. You see the movie, The Hammer? No. It's all about him being a boxer. But well, he's I know in, he's, he's you know he's fought in the ring. Yeah, stuff. he's he's apparently he, he was a boxing trainer for a long time too. That's how he made a living oh, in Hollywood. Right. Yeah, he's a good dude, man. I really like that guy yeah, a lot. He's a great guy. He's a, a very unusual thinker and, a, and, a, and an unabashed gearhead. I love that, too. Oh, is he? You know? Yeah, he loves cars, man. I, I hate when people pretend. Like, I read on some guy's thing, you know, who's shitting on someone for being middle aged and, and buying a sports car, that it was, you know, such a, a you know midlife crisis sort of yeah. a thing. And I was like, God, what a silly way to look at that. I've never like, made how, fun how come of, he's yeah. not How come he's not no, just no, no, enjoying you can a never car? never make fun of anybody who's a gearhead because it's a passion. It, it doesn't have to be anything rational or logical about it. It's a passion. Some well, some people are born with the wrenching gene. With the wrenching. I was forced to have the wrenching gene, and I don't like it. Really? I would rather have somebody else do it. I'm, I'm, yeah. I have the driving gene, but I want someone who knows what the fuck they're doing yeah. to fix my shit. Right. You have the drive. You've yeah. always loved. Like, I love cars. cars. I'm, I'm, I'm. Well, I'm. First of all, I'm a technology fanatic. I'm obsessed with it. I've always been obsessed yeah. with any new gadget. I remember the first time I saw Pong. I was, I, w I was obsessed with it. I couldn't believe you, that you someone were... had figured out a way to make this move something on the TV. Yeah, you were so, one of the first people I ever met who like had email and stuff like. I was like, oh yeah. What's this email thing? That I had a computer doing? in '94, and I didn't send an email to anybody till like '98. <laughs> Nobody had fucking email, man. Nobody. I never was. Now I hardly ever talk to any of my friends. Like me, Pat, and Oswald, and I have been going back and forth on Twitter. I'm supposed to call him, but I'm like, God, I actually have to call somebody Pat, and make a call. It's like you, you can go a, back and forth. With, talk about a funny dude. Pat I love Oswald. his writing. He's one of my favorite guys as far as like yeah. taking a premise and just beating the shit out of it God, and going in all sorts of weird ways with it. He's yeah. he's a really interesting. Guy. Uh, I like him. He was a writer on Mad TV when I when I first started. Was he really? Yeah, he was a part of the original cast. You know, he was there. And I enjoy and, his CDs. I think he's my favorite um, guy to I, listen to. I would to come in and CD. he'd have sketch ideas on the wall, and one was one was just explosive diarrhea, and then the <laughs> other was feeling kind of rapey. <laughs> <laughs> We were uh, when we were doing Matt, uh, the Man Show. That was one of the most fun things, is to put up a, a bunch of ideas and try to make them. And do you He's, do that? I do that with my writing. Do you do that? See, I have a yeah, board I up there. Yeah. I do that with my my act now, and I take a photo of it on my iPhone. And then when I'm in a hotel room and I want to go over my notes, That's I just great. look at the photo, and you could expand it, so I move it around, uh -huh. and it's easier than turning pages. Yeah. So it's you know technology, man. I love it's making technology. it all easier. But uh, I think writing something down and like putting it up there for, for you. Know, there's something about creating when you write things down and then put it in like a little box and then stick the box on the wall and then mm -hmm. step back and look at it. Mm -hmm. It's like instead of like being on top of it, writing it and being immersed in the words, just sit, put uh, it on the wall and step any, back. Any really, really successful screenplay writer I've ever spoken to. 
does exactly that. They never really? just sit down and write. Really? Not one. Really? Not one. Wow. From Alan Ball, who I talked to, who wrote American Beauty, who I talked to about how he starts his scripts and stuff. And he said character, but you know, but any of those guys, all of them, Todd Phillips, they, they outline the shit out of it. They see it up on a board and I don't know one director or one writer, certainly not one screenplay writer, not one who makes a fortune uh, who, who's a successful screenplay writer, a professional who doesn't do that. I just started doing it recently. I've been it's, writing forever. It's the way to do it. That's why a lot of people write a screenplay and then they just end up running out of steam or it just doesn't quite work. There's a, there's a real te- like te- sort of structure and te- technique to writing. Right. You, know? you see, even novelists. Yeah. Novelists will lay it out, man. I mean, John Irving, for his last book, took seven years to write that book. Seven. Think about wow. the act of faith that would require, because it had to be thematic. He created these characters very autobiographical. What was the book? Um, uh, uh, a year in uh, uh, Mystic River. Uh, one year in Mystic River, I believe it's called. What is it about? Uh, it's very autobiographical about. Um, Suck and cock. No, John Irving is that. John Irving is. <laughs> excuse Imagine me, sir. Imagine it took him seven years and it's about any? blowing dudes by the river. Have you ever, have you <laughs> read a lot, Black Cock? So imagine imagine he turns this in. This is his magnus opus. Have you read it? Have you read any of his books? No, never. Oh, dude, I can't believe you haven't read John Irving. You know what, dude? I kind of stopped reading fiction a long time ago. I started reading some Joe Hill so recently. I. I stopped Stephen reading King's it, now brother. I'm reading it again. Yeah, I started. I started reading it again because it's fun, yeah. and I realized I was reading too much creepy shit. It's almost like what I was talking. about. I'm writing a whole bit about it in my act now about the apocalypse is not you know it's here but it's not here you know what i mean like that what i said earlier the way i phrased it was the first time i ever phrased it that way that it's here and it's not here but i'm writing this whole this whole big chunk about that and so it's it's forcing me i'm constantly reading all this nutty fucking shit about the world and i'm like god damn it this is not that fun like you can you can freak out about fucking supermassive black holes and super volcanoes and you can freak out about the shifting of the polar ice caps and it really doesn't make life any more interesting but if a good werewolf movie comes out you know life is fun for like a fucking hour and a half you know what yeah. i'm saying if you pick up a good joe hill is stephen king's son and he's a he's a, uh, a horror really? writer as well really? yeah yeah he's good dude he's good no i got i read just i'm almost done with heart-shaped box a great fucking scary Holy shit. it's about he's... a guy who is a rock and roll star like some creepy marilyn manson who buys this uh dead guy's suit online because it's haunted it comes with a ghost and he thinks he's being accused so he buys this dead guy's suit I don't want to say any more about the plot because the plot is brilliant, like how wow. it's all established and set up. Wow. But it's a fucking page turner. And it's so much more fun than it's reading a Michael box. Rupert book about the collapse of civilization. Yeah, you know, yeah. you like gotta, smoking cigarettes think, in that right? collapse documentary. Have you ever watched? You want to shit your pants? Watch that collapse documentary. What is that? It's Michael Rupert. He's this guy who used to be a former L.A. cop who busted the CIA selling drugs in L.A. neighborhoods and went public with it and eventually wow. left the police force and was told that he was supposed to let these people go when he caught them. And he's, you know, very, very vocal about it. Always worried he's going to get assassinated. Well, that started his downward spiral of doubt and doom. And now this guy is he's got a whole fucking documentary where he's sitting there smoking cigarettes, talking about how the society we're going to run out of oil and society's going to crumble and collapse. And you better be pissing in your back lawn because you need to put you know fucking certain nutrients in the soil it's so you can grow food it's yeah he's crazy, crazy. Yeah. meanwhile the whole time he's doing this he's smoking cigarettes yeah. like i got news for you homie the society's gonna last longer than your lungs That's all right? Right. You're, right you're addicted to a stupid little fucking tube of paper that sucks in danger ca- dangerous chemicals and you're telling me that i should be worried about the end of the world your end of the world is happening right now i'm watching right. it you're inhaling you're you're addicted to a fucking a, a little stick 
So true. Yeah, you, you're into the world's already here, stupid. Goddamn. I, the, the world is not necessarily predetermined. We, who knows how this is all going to turn out? That's part of the fun of the movie. That's part of the fun of the it's theatrical true. production that is your life. It's true. If we knew everything that was going to take place, it You'd would be, be so boring. You'd be bored. If you knew that you were now in heaven and you get to bang some chick anytime you want for the rest of your life and you get to eat all the food you wanted for the rest of your life, you think that it would be awesome. But it's not. Dude, you not need, without risk. As a human not being, without yeah, failure. Yeah. You need all those things. As a Alan human Alda. being, you need to reach. Struggle. You need struggle. Yeah. It's part of we are some sort of a monkey that creates things and if we don't create things whether you create ideas whether you create relationships whether you create houses whether you create jokes whatever the fuck you put forth that's what makes human beings happy if you're just living in the clouds banging chicks and eating food you would fucking live in hell you don't think you would but eventually you would be in hell you would be in some weird situation where a giant part of what it is to be a human is removed from the equation yeah and it just goes back to what we talked about with welfare. You, you, you got to work to get something. You can't just get it. There has to be a struggle or you don't evolve. And as soon as you introduce the option of no struggle, you introduce the option of, you know, and people think that the struggle is over financially. It's one of the reasons why when people are successful, a lot of people go, oh man, he sold out. Oh man, you know, he's not hip anymore. The, the struggle is never financial. The, the, the best part about overcoming the financial struggle is now the struggle gets to be about thoughts and ideas. Right. Now the struggle gets to be about creating shit. Now the struggle gets to be about getting to the center of what the fuck this is. Yeah. Getting to the center of what is this life. And you can, guess what, you can think about what is this life a whole lot more when you're a comedian that gets to wake up at one in the afternoon and doesn't necessarily have to do anything all day and you can sit in front of your computer drinking coconut juice and smoking pot and reading online. You can think things through in a manner that the average person just never get a chance to do. That's you never you have get, that opportunity. That's what you get paid for too. That's what, that's what kind of stand-up is putting it into a funny light but kind of like surprising people with where you're taking your idea yeah that's what i mean yeah it's 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 putting forth something you have to it's and it's got to be hard man i write shit sometimes and I'm, i'll fucking go over and go man this bit sucks there's something missing in this bit yeah. like i know it's there but i don't know it's there and then there's, then there's this thing that i i've just figured out how to do like over the last couple of years where i used to have a theme like i would say okay today i'm gonna write about viagra we're gonna sit down we're gonna write some shit about viagra and then i would start about that and maybe it would go in a different direction but not too far off path now i just sit down and I open up a page and I just let it go. Right. I just get high as fuck and I let it all go. Whatever crazy thought I have. And then in the morning I get up sober and then I look at what I wrote and I go, what the fuck am I talking about? Right. Like some, I, I write shit sometimes when I'm high and I go back and read it and I'm like, this doesn't even seem like it's me writing this. Right. Like who the fuck wrote this? Does it make sense? Sometimes, yeah. yeah. Sometimes. Yeah, sometimes it doesn't though. <laughs> but that's part of the, the that's part of the whole zone that you get into when you're creating something. You can't be afraid of looking silly. I knew you for so many years where you never you never even smoked no, a joint. You didn't do anything. Yeah. yeah. What well, was your what was your turn? What, did Stan help get you? No, no, Eddie Bravo. Eddie Bravo for sure, 100%. He uh he was uh, really good at jiu-jitsu and yeah. uh, we were hanging out together. Just because we took classes together, and he, he gave me some private lessons and tied me up in a knot. We, uh, I was training with this other guy. I was taking private lessons with this black belt. He was a very nice guy. He had good intentions, but I could roll with him, but I knew his game. You know? right. And you get to a certain point where you could roll with a guy like, you know, 
I could tap him out and you know, very rare, but occasionally I could get him with something. And part of it was him like being rolling nice with me and rolling yeah. easy with me and let me get things. But also I knew his game. Right. Well, when you start rolling with someone else, you realize, oh, you got to roll with a bunch of different people. You can't just roll with one person because Eddie Bravo just went right through me. He just destroyed me. Part of it was because he was way better than me yeah. and really uh, an amazing jujitsu guy. Like he's a genius, a jujitsu genius, a really? true genius really? in every sense of the word. But it was also because I sucked. I, I thought I was good because I knew how to wrestle with one guy. Yeah. I knew his weaknesses. Yeah. I was physically a little faster than him. And I can do things. But then I started rolling with other people and I was getting tapped all the time. I was like, oh, okay, I got to join class. Right. So anyway, Eddie um, said, you know, I'd, I'd be happy to give you some private lessons. I said, oh, awesome. So we went out, we got some lunch, get some private lessons. And we started talking about creativity and life and music and stuff because he's a musician. And he said that he writes his best stuff when he's stoned. And I was like, that doesn't even make sense. Like, right. you're high, and you're, I'm thinking, when you're high, I was like, oh, you dope, you know, you right. loser. You know, like, the, the, the moments in my life where I had been drunk, I was embarrassed about those moments. Yeah, yeah. I never, like, look back at the time I was drunk like I can now. Right. You know, now, you know, we're like, oh, they were fucking hammered, and we're talking shit at the bar. You know, it's fun. That To me, you know, I'm, I'm in control of my shit now. Right. So when, if me and, and Brian and Joey Diaz do shots at the, the, in the green room in the Portland, uh, you know, uh, helium, it, I don't feel bad about that. Right. I feel like we had a good time. It was crazy. The next day I had a headache. Right. You know what I mean? Right. But back then I was embarrassed about anything that I did that wasn't positive and anything that I did that might make me a loser. Mm -hmm. Anything that I did that might make keep you vulnerable me. Too, yeah. You know? yeah, 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 yeah. So he, uh, he was so adamant about how weed made him like uh, really creative. And I was like, all right, let's do this. Come on, pull over. So uh, we, we, we smoked pot and then we had some ice cream. And, wow. it, and it was amazing. It was the greatest ice cream I've ever had in my life. And I couldn't believe that marijuana made this ice cream so fucking good. I had an ice cream sundae with hot fudge. And it was the most incredible. I, I, the sensation of eating the food was so heightened. I felt like a fool. That's I felt wild. like I can't believe that all my and life. And that, that started? That was yes, that was it. You know, it was like I was talking to him and he's this fascinating guy. I mean, Eddie is a, a very fascinating guy. He's very, he's a free thinker. He had a really hard childhood, man. My childhood was not, oh, did he? my childhood was not, not terrible. It wasn't the, it wasn't ideal. I had a lot of shit happen to me. I think a lot of us did. All of us here did, but his was horrific. And because of that, he developed this ability to just fuck you, like push people away, like focus on his goals and, and see things in a different way. You know, he had, he had this ability to like, he's got this ability to look at life and break things down. And a lot of times when we have conversations, he comes at it from a completely different angle than I do, you know? And I like that about you too. You will often do that too. And Duncan will do that all the time. I love when people, like when I have a friend that's a, a close friend that's very smart, that will take things in a different way. And I don't necessarily always agree with them but it's a it's a fascinating thing it's almost like you if you if you value their opinion and if you talk to them about things it's like you have one more you out there interpreting interpreting the world from right. another possible right. angle that's so important and, yeah and so i met him and right away i knew i'm like this guy's smart as fuck he's he's, he's a weirdo he's figured out some shit about jujitsu and if you can get that good at jujitsu yeah. i'm like you can get yeah. that good at a lot of things like you're a bad motherfucker and he's a little guy like eddie's not strong at all no. so he got really good at jujitsu all based on technique and leverage and he does everything the right way so you, know, you, you, you learn from a guy like that. So I, I, I met him and I was like, okay, so obviously there's some good to this weed. You can't think that it's all right. bad. Who, who, who do you think is the best? Uh, I just uh, I couldn't believe it my whole life. I thought it was for losers. I could just imagine you sitting there the first couple of times. He's like, I can feel it in my hands, Eddie. Oh, yeah. I was totally like, um, like yeah. um, complete rookie shit. I remember Joey Diaz. I said something to Joey Diaz once. He goes, 
Look at this fucking rookie. Get the fuck out of here. I forget what I said to him, but it was some some crazy some crazy rookie uh, pot experience. And I was to me, to me, I was calling him like it was the most profound thing that I ever heard. He goes, "Get the fuck out of here with that rookie shit." What are you talking to me with that? We're, we're getting high, motherfucker. That's what's going on. Joey Diaz will break that's things a, that's, down. That is an uncanny, uncanny. We're getting high, cocksucker. That is, that's just unbelievable. If you ain't high by two in the afternoon, go fuck yourself. There's actually a T-shirt that we put out on hire-primate.com. Sold out instantly. We got new ones coming out, folks. I swear to God, I'm I got a lot more this time. I'm buying as many as you can, and proceeds do go to the Joey Diaz Weed Fund. <laughs> so uh, all the T-shirt money is right now. He's got a fat check coming to him. It'll keep him in weed for weeks. Hilarious. So this that T-shirt should pay for all of Joey's weed for the rest of his life. That's my goal. <laughs> if we keep, you know, if he makes enough money off this T-shirt every month That's just to cover all of his weed expenses plus. A few, a few nice dinners here and there. <laughs> I think it's a nice. fucking winner of Beautiful. a shirt, man. I can't wait to wear it. it I don't called? even have What's one. We don't even have one. Yeah. It says if you, it's based on something you said once on the podcast. And by the way, he says all the time. It wasn't just that moment. He says it all the time now. He says it all the time. He says, if you ain't high, he'll, he'll call me up sometimes. And I'll answer the phone and just go, if you ain't high by two in the afternoon, go fuck yourself, dog. I ain't playing, dog. I ain't playing right now. I got the banana bread from the Russians. Fuck that banana bread. That banana bread is the bomb diggity, son. No, it's not. Yeah, where, where does this banana bread? It's too psychedelic, right? Fuck, that fucking gave me a heart attack. I'm a little blown away by your Joey Diaz impersonation. Listen, cocksucker. I can only do a couple impressions, but I can do them. Jeez, it's not bad. that good. If he was in the room, I could really do him. I can I can imitate people. It's okay. Did you uh, were you on Mad TV during with when Matt Brunger was on? No. Oh, okay, Mike. There's this guy we had on the show. Uh, have you ever seen Ikea Heights? No, what is that? It's uh, these guys. that uh, This guy, Matt Brunger, who was also on Mad TV. We had him on uh, Tommy Segura's uh, and Christina's show. Uh, but he was talking about how he was on this uh, thing that you can find on the internet. It's fucking hilarious. Where these this comedy troupe goes into an Ikea. They do like a CSI type show in the middle of Ikea, like without Ikea knowing, like they have employees or that are part of the production that will like take like the employees of Ikea and like get them distracted. And then they'll have like full on like gun guns and cops shootouts, you know, like in the middle of like a bedroom in Ikea. And they, so they used Ikea as a stage for CSI. It's fucking hilarious. It's one of the funniest things. They had to stop doing it because they just were getting kicked out every episode. It like, ends with them getting so, kicked so out. So wait, wait. So, oh, this is really cool, though. Yeah, I, it's I just really got, funny. So these guys are actually doing a TV show, and the set is Ikea? Yeah, and the set that's is Ikea. really funny. And it's, great, and it's all improv using <laughs> yes, the set. It's that's IkeaHeights.com. Really Dude, they're in a kitchen now, and then they're in the, <sighs> the basement. Yeah, that's, why they, that's one of those ideas where you go, why the fuck didn't I think of that? It's I know. Brilliant. And I guess supposedly like like they, they can't do it anymore because they just got too much Oh, trouble. please keep doing it. Change it to Walmart they, Heights. They, they, the last one they <laughs> no did. Kidding, man. The last it's called one, Ikea Heights? Yeah, Ikea yeah. Heights. The last one they did, they had like a zombie attack or something like that. <laughs> <laughs> so they just had tons of zombies. But but the, so I was thinking, they could, with, instead of doing it again and getting in trouble with Ikea, act like they move. Like, because like, like act, you know how like in TV shows, they move to different cities. Yeah. Right. And so like Kmart, yeah. Kmart, Kmart yeah, Boulevard or something like that. <laughs> you start doing it in Denny's. Yeah. Just Denny's. And Denny's. Why not? And that'd be the whole show. I I bet Denny's they probably Heights. will. We probably don't even need to give them that idea. Yeah. They've already thought, if they idea. thought of that idea, wait, wait, wait. they so must I, have thought. I they couldn't that, have said, like, this is it. I guess it's over. They're kicking us out. Yeah. Yeah. No, they're going to go somewhere else. I can else. go to Ikea 
IkeaHeights.com or something? I- IkeaHeights.com. And the podcast we had Matt on was uh, Your Mom's House Number 14 at Def Squad on Fucking iTunes. hilarious, dude. That's a, that's a great idea. Every now and then, you know, one of those ideas comes along. We're yeah. like, wow. Yeah. That's one of those. That's, a, that's, a, that's stellar. It is. That it's, is stellar. That's, <laughs> that's what I love about, you know, I, lo- I love being in, like, the, the comedy community is such an interesting community. You know, I mean, it feels weird to even say that you're a part of it. We're all, we all have this weird sort of, I don't know. Don't you have like a weird sort of like humility about the the business and you know it's it's yeah. it's, a, it's a it's a weird thing to even say like yeah you know I'm a pro I'm a professional comedian yeah that's what I do yeah it yeah, seems like yeah, yeah, it all I seems never, I won't enter that discussion yeah it's, it seems it seems odd and weird somebody said to me you know you're professionally funny yeah, my buddy was like, I know. Jimmy Burke said you are professionally he saw a show he goes you are pro-. I was like oh boy that's a it's a right, lot so right, it's a weird yeah, thing yeah. It's, it goes contrary to the idea of being or what makes you funny in the first place yeah but um but being a part of the community like having people like you as a friend and having people like, you know, uh, Nick Swartzen come over and Corolla come yeah. over and all these people that I'm like, wow, Nick Swartzen's hanging out here. It's a privilege. And, yeah. And Adam Corolla's really sitting there and yeah. you're really sitting there. It's the fucking greatest thing ever. What a, the great, the greatest community to be a part of people who make you laugh. It, it's true. And it's, it's like part of this fraternity or something. I always feel like, you know, boy, when you've done the road and when you've been on stage and, you know, you, so you different faced audiences are so different. You don't know how they're going to respond. You've got you've gone through something. We were at the um, backstage of the UFC, and it was a big UFC event, and uh, the fucking place was packed. But Jim Norton and Bobby Kelly showed up, and I saw Jim Norton and Bobby Kelly, and I shot towards them like a slingshot, right. like I made a beeline to them because right. I knew that's where the fun talk that's was going to be. Fun you know, talk. Jimmy fucking Jim, Norton Jim, is Jim. there, and Bobby hey, Kelly. Bobby Kelly's hilarious. I've known man. Bobby Kelly since oh, we were like twenty-one. I love Bobby. Bobby yeah. kills me. Bobby was with Alan the Monkeys and Dane Cook and that like like they were an improv troupe and I was the headliner and they would open for me and we did a bunch of those uh, uh, Aku Aku's or Dick Darty comedy huts so wow. we worked together a bunch of times when those guys were just coming up I was like a couple of years ahead of them oh, wow. but they they yeah, were they were older. so I've been yeah I hung out with Bobby Kelly like back in the day like so I've known him since so you've like, known Bob and Dane for a long time. sure I've known Dane forever I knew Dane before he ever did stand up wow. like on his own That's he did wild. it in a troupe he did it in, in yeah. Alan the Monkeys what they would do is they would do sketches and uh, you know they were taking chances it was creative stuff and then they would each do stand up they would each do like five minutes of stand up and then I would go on stage after them and it was like it was kind of like I wouldn't say like they they they, they were opening but it was so much different than an opening act they had a lot of shit going on like they did it was interesting funny guys man yeah 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 so and you know so I've known Bobby since like I said I was like 24 you know and he was probably a couple years younger than me like maybe 21 it's crazy so I see them and man like it's what you're saying it's like these are these are like the these it's are like, like soldiers. Family, yeah, They're like soldiers. fellow fellow uh, fellow travelers in this weird world yeah, of show man. business. Yeah, it's, I have a lot of pride in it. Like I, I do too. I was I did a New Year's Eve show and, and I was in Ontario at the Improv, and it was just packed and, and um, I, I was we were about to count off a New Year and I I remember just stopping and I had the mic in my hand and I went you know, I really meant this to I said you know I feel like a successful person like I can't believe I get to do this for a living and I said if I die tomorrow I got I can't complain comparatively to what how most people have to live their lives their yeah. drudgery and I get paid to make people laugh for two hours a night and I and I get to do whatever I want when I want it's but incredible. like the lottery it's not easy you know like Never we were saying that, that concept it's, there's there's a lot of a lot of weird shit that goes on in the creating of material and the going Fuck up yeah. there and fucking around with oh. it and Dude, you know, it, and it never gets easy in a no. way. Like it really doesn't. But that's you know? why it's so satisfying when it comes out. I just did it's a just charity. like we were talking about with welfare and yeah. the lottery and all that shit. You you with you have to have the only thing that's different to me is relationships. Relationships, I want no work. 
Yeah, know, I agree. I want friendliness I, I, I and, and I, I, that's love. A, that's a good I point. Any, I don't way. want any work. That's a good point. I don't have to work for that. I don't want to fight all the time. Like there's people that think that you have to fight, yeah. and I think that's that's a crock of shit. You just got to find someone. But, but, be a nice person and find someone that doesn't want to fight. Yep. Comedy, you know? comedy is one of those things. Like I just did a, a, a benefit with Gary Shandling and Kevin Nealon and uh, um, uh, Brad Garrett, who killed me, and Ray Romano. Where'd you and, guys do this? Uh, at the Wilshire Theater. It's for children with AIDS. And uh, it was this last weekend. And we all went up and did it. We all each did. I did a half hour. But, you know, the rest of the guys did like 20 minutes. And it was, we just had so much fun. It was so fun. And it was, a, it was everybody was hilarious. And Brad Garrett fucking killed me. He's, he was, oh, I opened he's up funny. for him in Long Island. Dude, he's I opened so up for him funny. at Eastside Comedy oh, Club in like 1991. He was killing Doris Roberts. And she was in the audience. He's like, hey, well, how old are you? She was 91 when she did this show for Craig. Going, how are you drinking? Are you drunk, sweetie, yet? You know, I mean, he was killing everybody. This black woman was in the, in the, in the thing. And she was really old he goes look at her from the civil war it must be so different now for you isn't it i mean killing him wow. he was amazing or the civil rights and he's just so irreverent but he was fucking killing the room and then we were all backstage and i and i'm with you know gary shandling and and all these guys are in some ways you know big you know they've done a lot of stuff in comedy for 20 30 years and they were all talking about how they just all have so much reverence for comedy and it's still not easy no matter what and it's still a challenge and you're still you, you better know, respect that bitch you better respect that you better respect that bitch because if you don't yeah. you'll be up on stage realizing you didn't respect it and eating it and, and there's a bunch of people it. who paid to see you don't it's so true that motivates the fuck it out of me it never gets old you're gonna be on stage for an hour my friend bring the money you yeah. said that one time I did I remember a long time ago this was fucking 13 years ago I did Friday nights or something that you were emceeing and I got up and I did this weird story and you were like and you were like really commenting you said you know you do the most unusual shit he goes but you could never do that shit on the road in some cities they'd be like Fucking, you gotta bring the money. If you're gonna do an hour, you gotta bring the money. Guess what? You gotta be fucking funny for an hour because people lose their attention span. That room gets quiet quick. Yeah. Even if you're famous, Michael Richards, I don't know. More care who you are. so Dude, because people get angry. Gets, they're on your side for five right. minutes. You got five, maybe seven, right. maybe if you're Brad Pitt. And then, and it just yeah. fucking tumbleweeds. It you turns hear, the other way. You hear a dog bark in the distance and they fucking hate you. Yeah, it turns the other way. Charlie quickly. Sheen. Yeah. Do it off stage. What a surprise. Yeah, exactly. Monetizing his madness, as one of my one of my friends says. That is a good way of putting it. But Jeremy Piven said that. He goes, monetizing. Jeremy Piven's a smart guy. Yep. That's yep. that that is what it is, sort of. I mean, it's also, you know, he's trying to figure out some way to get the public on his side because he's got some giant lawsuit he's coming up. Fucking crazy. You think? I mean, winning. 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 It's I'm, called winning. He's he's uh he's with the goddesses. That's a guy who that's poor good. fuck. That's a guy who cocaine and and who just hasn't been living in the real cocaine world. confidence. That's twenty five years of fame, by the way, in Hollywood. You're an alien. Seven gram rocks and Warner, winning. And Warner Brothers winning. still has his it's big poster on his Seven videos. gram rocks. Yeah, Brian thinks it's all. Brian thinks it's all a scam to make Two and a Half Men the biggest show ever next season when he comes <laughs> right. back in his triumphant return. He thinks it's all orchestrated. The horrors. Well, the, the Warner Brothers still cocaine. has like a huge yeah. banner of yeah. their show. Briefcase full of cocaine. Choking, choking porn stars. <laughs> yeah. Almost threatening to stab his wife. Winning. Has he got a? Has he got a, a lawsuit coming? <clears throat> yeah, he does. Apparently, according to Hollywood Insiders. Oh, you mean? Uh, oh, from from CBS. Yes, oh, apparently, yeah. according to Hollywood Insiders, he actually has a very good point. 
because the guy didn't show up for work late. It wasn't like he was missing set uh, uh, shoots and costing them money. Yeah, he, he was always fucked up. They knew he was fucked up from a long time ago. They right. hired him under the premise that he was this party animal. And guess what? That's what he fucking plays on the show. Yeah. He plays a watered-down version of the real-life yeah, Charlie yeah, Sheen. exactly. This sounds like a big dick contest. That's yeah. what it sounds like. It sounds like him and that guy who's the executive producer, they're waving the dicks around. And the ex Yeah, and the executive producer doesn't want this junkie back on his set, and he wants to move on, but he's going to ruin well, a lot actually, of fucking people's jobs. Actually, what they say was that he was able to, he could strangle a girl and everything else, and then he made fun of Chuck Lorre on that yep. radio show, and that's when he got fired. Yeah. Well, so. that Chuck Lorre guy, we, we talked about on the show before, about all the shows that he's produced. He produced Grace Under Fire. He produced Roseanne. He produced Sybil. He had to deal with cunt after cunt after cunt, and he developed the ability to put his fucking foot down. Yeah, he did. You know, and yeah, that's he's, why he's so successful. He's, he's fucking good at what he does. That guy's got a gang of TV shows. And listen, yeah. man, the, the, the bottom line is Charlie Sheen was probably very creatively unfulfilled, you know, and it's not to say The Two and a Half Men wasn't a good show, because quite honestly, I never watched it. I've never seen seen a single episode it's not bad so I don't know I, I watched like maybe one scene once I'm happy for John Cryer he's the nicest fucking human being on yeah, the planet yeah I met him a long time Such ago we did a guy. college together in um oh did he do stand up I didn't I know I think that. he did I'm pretty sure it was him it was uh he's about the nicest he was in a, he was in a, a nice movie person. before then I couldn't believe that I saw there was one of the first guys I ever saw that had been in a movie yeah I did a, a stand up at this college then he did something else that was like bigger in the same college pretty in pink right yeah it was something, yeah, somewhere on those. I'm pretty sure it was John Cryer a long, long, long time ago. But uh, the point is that, you know, he probably, I mean, the guy was in fucking Platoon and Wall Street. He was in two huge Oliver Stone smash movies. Yeah. I mean, and they were brilliant performances. Yeah, they they were. Were so when he's playing this silly guy in this silly show year after year making mad, mad loot, the money piles up. But then the ability to break away from the mundane becomes more and more extreme. Just like the Catholic girl that wants to suck a dick. Exactly man. Right. And he's, He's, if you're not being challenged as a grown man, you're yeah. going to give yourself a fucking problem. Yeah. You're going to find a way to challenge yourself. You're going to create a problem for yourself. Yeah. That shit happens all the time. You get Somebody gets exactly what they want, and they're a little too young to handle it, or they get exactly what they want, and they have nowhere else to... They don't have the imagination to figure out where else they can grow. They get into fucking trouble. Too much money, no imagination, and you didn't earn it, you're, you're fucking... Even if you did earn it, you're... What you're, I you're, do respect that Charlie Sheen's trying to do is apparently he's trying to evolve his show. So he's bringing in comics, and Russell Peters is going to come on. He's oh, going to yeah? tell us about it because Russell's been Russell's opening for good, him. Man. He's great. Someone, please, on Twitter, verify Russell Peters, yeah, the real Russell P. That's he's, him. He's great. So he can't get verified. Wait, he's having guests on the show or comics opening for him? Comics, what they do is the comics will interview him. There's a oh, okay. video of him interviewing Russell Peters, where uh, right. Russell Peters, rather, interviewing right. Charlie Sheen, where Charlie Sheen talks about accidentally um, leaving his gun out and Kelly Preston was living with him and she dropped the gun and shot her. It shot the toilet and it ricocheted and Jesus. hit her. Yeah, 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 yeah. She got hurt. How does that happen? That's, you know, crazy junkie gun, shit. Dropping a gun, though, I don't think that usually goes off. Yeah, you it very yeah, well could have been a Charlie lot. just has good writers for the this show. He they, they've probably learned from the mistakes of the past that they actually have to make this thing interesting. Yeah, yeah. well that's what they're doing now. You know? But I mean this story is a true story. But apparently, who knows how much of it's true. He is, he but is Russell a... Peters was interviewing him. That's it. And then Russell says a bunch of really funny lines in between it hmm. and just fucks around with it. And so now it's sort of become sort of a show. Hmm. You know. But I think they need to incorporate other things. Like they need to incorporate music and some some other shit. I think it should just end I, I haven't list, thought about Charlie Sheen in like three weeks yeah <laughs> but that's you that's you he's got a, he's got a everybody's stay, yeah. he's, he's right? got a, he's got something there it's there's kind of some sort of an interest as he moves through the country he starts dragging together a show it's yeah that's what I'm saying I mean it's kind of fascinating who knows
I mean, look, the guy that whoever the fuck the guy is inside of him that was the guy that was in Wall Street or was the guy that was in Platoon, that guy's a bad motherfucker. And if you could find who that guy is, yeah. you know, people lose their way and regain it. Yeah. It happens, yeah. you know, and it might be through this humility that he gets out of getting fired from his fucking job and bested in this I don't big think, dick contest. I don't contest. think he has that much money either. I, I, I what? I, I don't think Dude, he's got like a hundred million bucks or something silly. I don't know. A lot of it might be in real estate. A lot of it's, you know, a lot of, a lot of times. Dude, he was making more money than any human being had ever made on a sitcom. Yeah. He's making two million dollars a fucking episode. Yeah, he's definitely got money. He's got some cash. If he doesn't, he's crazy. He almost bought a hooker hotel. There was an article. Remember? There was an article right. about him not house. having that much money. Really? Yeah, yeah but that's some haterade. No, no. Haterade? It was yeah. on the news. <laughs> I've never heard that before. That's what? Awesome. You never you, the internet guru, has never, never heard, heard haterade? haterade. Put put put, oh my Charlie God. Sheen, put Charlie Sheen. Haterade is old, dude. Oh. I bet you if you look up Charlie Sheen bankruptcy or Charlie Sheen like like spent money, you'll see you'll be I bet you're hoping right now, like, wishing no, 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 Charlie no, no, was that, going broke. Meanwhile, saying, Charlie's winning. While you're here doing your 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 what is podcast. Great good stuff. Good stuff. It's it's really really traveling well. It's doing well for you. It's a big time production. Here was that real foam over that well, microphone? It's Joe, it's Joe Winning. Rogan. It's Joe Rogan, and he's very good at what he does. I want to poop back and forth. Fine. Good luck, Charlie. Smoke weed and stay away from that cocaine. Yeah, that's all. Those highs, those are not, those are not the good yeah, highs, weed bro. Weed is fine. Blow always. It's, nobody ever did blow and went. Yeah, I had all these problems. I did a bunch of blow and then it fucking worked out. It's yeah. Not, in the history of the world, that's never been said. Yeah, that's not good. That stuff's bad for you. That stuff fries your fucking noggin. Did you know Jimi Hendrix died when he was 27? Yep. Yeah. Isn't that crazy? So did Janis Joplin. Whenever so did I want. Cobain. So did Kurt Cobain. Yeah. So did Jim Morrison. Jim Morrison. Isn't that Whenever weird? I have any any sense of delusions of grandeur, just look at what Jimi Hendrix accomplished, and he was only 27. 27. With no internet. How about what Zeppelin? <laughs> how about what Zeppelin did by the time they were 24? I yeah. mean, like you hear them like Cashmere and Led Zeppelin one. They were like Bang. 23, 24. That's ridiculous. 25. Ridiculous. Yeah. Like, think about that. They were writing fucking... They were all, like, educated. They all read yeah. a shitload. Jimmy Page has a whole fucking library, like a huge library of, like, on black magic and stuff. Wow. Jimmy Page is is a scholar. He reads... You know, they all those guys have read a lot. I had this conversation. It was a different standard back then. I had this conversation the other day with the lovely Brittany Palmer. She's one of the ring girls of the Brittany. UFC. She's, she's very nice girl. Out. She's dating my buddy. Donald Cerrone. Uh, yeah. She, no, she's she dating... Uh, yeah, she's... She's dating my buddy Anthony now. Powerful. Your friend Anthony's getting some of that? Yes, my buddy. My buddy's a writer and a very good guy. I just saw Brittany. Anyway, she's a very nice person, and she uh, is fascinated by the 70s and the 60s, and she's a painter, and she makes all these, uh, she's making all these different paintings, and we were having this conversation, like, I'm, I'm, I'm the same way. I, when I listen to music, nine times out of ten when I'm driving in my car, I'm listening to my iPod, and it's usually like some some like 1970s Zeppelin or it's some 1970s Allman Brothers or Leonard Skinner. That shit to me just resonates. You know, when I listen to old music from like that era, for whatever reason, it just resonates. And I'm trying to figure out what is it about that time? What is it about the Jimi Hendrix? What is it about Jim Morrison? What, it, was it just because it was the first of that shit? Was it, was it because it was the first of this giant evolutionary breakthrough? From I that? think it's a combination of, of a number of things. One is that a lot of people back then thought their music was counted for something. In other words, they thought that their music could actually change something. And a lot of a lot of what happens with artists is cynicism. At times, have a certain cynical 
uh, uh, stamp on them. And I think we live in a very cynical time. The notion that nothing you do as an individual, certainly as an artist, could change anything at all. That's very prevalent among artists. So you don't have people who are doing stand-up, for example, to try to break a social norm or shatter a social norm. You certainly don't have a lot of musicians saying, my music is actually going to influence the political atmosphere. Remember, it was after, it, we, we had been through in the 70s, we'd just been through and we're going through a terrible war in Vietnam. And, and you know how many people died? 54,000 men were killed. That's a huge number, where if you compare the wars in Afghanistan and Iraq, it was, it was 4,000 deaths and a lot of injuries. But I'm just saying, that in a very short period of time, we had also been through world. We'd been through a number of. That uh, we were in the Cold War. We'd been through World War II, and everybody had an active memory of that. That shit. Life really counted and mattered, and people didn't live as long. And it, there was this. There's this idea that you better hurry up and get through it, and make your fucking stamp while you still have an opportunity. Because if you looked around. And let's take 1974, and you looked around at the world. Half the world was starving to death, and 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 for the most, and half the world was living under communist dictatorships, which was essentially slavery, and half the world was uh, a very dangerous place and at war. And by the way, there was an arms race called the nuclear arms race between the Soviet Union and and the United States, and a lot of people really were like, you know what, we could all fucking just blow up. The next war is going to be where the cockroaches and the rats are the only things living. And there's always, there was always that saying that if there is a third world war, I think it was Einstein who said the, the living... Fourth world war will be fought living, with sticks. The living, the living will, yeah, and the living will envy the dead, right? That, that whole, that idea, because yeah. you'll be... Start, you'll be he said, I don't know what's going to start the third world war, what weapons will be used, but the fourth world war will be fought with sticks. That's such a great uh, quote. Yeah. But the point is, is that I think when you live in, in times of great uncertainty and times of great hope and times of great violence, remember in this country we come off a number of assassinations, Martin Luther King, right. Malcolm X, John, John Kennedy, Joe Kennedy, and it goes on and on. I mean, there was this notion that we were in a real battle and a real social battle um, uh, for our souls, man. You had, you had governments sending young boys off to die in a war. Most people hadn't even heard of that fucking part of the world. And there was this idea that we're losing, we're, we gotta, we gotta get in the streets and say something and do something. More importantly, if we do so, shit will change. And people were getting hosed down and black people didn't have the vote until 1964. It was only 10 years old. So when you think about how extreme things were not only that but how uncertain and how it was the beginning of so many different ideas that were competing that when when you get a very a society in turmoil usually and and what's very positive about it is you want a cross current of ideas you want ideas bashing heads like fucking rams and, and when you have that provided you keep the violence out of it but there's always going to be a little violence but when you have that and people are who, who where they're fighting for their souls with an idea you're going to get something pretty fucking cool. And you're, and you're going to get certainly very volatile artistic expression. And a lot of that expression can very well be uh, Miles Davis, who was saying, I'm a black man in America with, you know, and I still don't feel free or whatever it might be. Or you could have... Um, Bieber. I, I, well, Bieber is candy compared to think about it, how much music counted back then. Right. Jazz was the only place that a lot of black people could really express themselves honestly, through a fucking horn. So if your heart's broken, you either sing it or you shoot it through a horn because if you say otherwise, you're going to get fucking hung or shot or arrested. That's what it was to be black in the 1940s, 50s, 60s, and even the 70s for a lot of them. That's the bottom line. It goes on and on. So things were way more extreme. And I think uh, in today's world where everything's at the, at the touch of a button, where everybody has plenty to eat, even if it's not healthy food, um, and 
and we feel safer. And I don't think, and I think we're cynical. I don't believe that what we do and what we say can really change the world. And back then you did. Do you think it's the numbers? Just too many humans now? No. I mean, there's I still don't. people like Rage Against the Machine that kind of believe numbers. in the same kind I, of shit, you know? I, I think we're going to face another, uh, we're going to face, we're always going to face challenges as people and as a world. And th- th- those challenges may very well bring into question our own survival. I don't think so and for a long time. I don't know. You know what's really but, changing the world? Hmm. This thing we're on right now, the internet. This is this is the much, big change. Very much. The way the way we are right now, our parents were never like this. These That's these right. these conversations were never held. And, and it gives more potential, Joe, for the notion that all of us could get together and springboard into an idea. And that, that, with you know, the, a, a, a major shift in well, consciousness. With, with something like this, like right now, live, there's two thousand people listening to us live, mm. and this is a tiny fraction of the amount of people that will listen to us over the next few months. Right. You know, it's going to be hundreds of thousands of people. And these uh, people, when they start looking at the world the way you're talking about it, the way you know, stepping back and describing it, saying, "What is it? What what is it to live with passion? What is what is important in this life? What is what is the fun? Where's the enjoyment? Where's the where's the real true passion in this world? Like, what is it for you? What is it for you? And if you don't fucking find that, your life's not going to be fun. That's right. And if don't get saddled down by debt, don't get caught up in a lot of but 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 also important things. Um, piggybacking to- on that great point is is you've got to find a way to keep yourself inspired. Yeah. Find ways. I don't care what it is. Just well, look truly around, be doing man. what you enjoy doing. Yeah. Be, you do and have learning, to constantly learn. stoke that, those fires. And one of the things about stand-up is the fear of bombing also gives you another added incentive and motivation yeah. that I think some artists are without. That's you right. know, when they just produce books or just produce, you know, they just wait for reviews. But the fear of actual physically being in front of someone when they don't like you, that's so much more intense than a shitty review. It sure is, because you feel it right away, man. It's yeah, like, and it's not, it was just, I mean, look, just life is temporary, and we all need to wrap our fucking heads around that. If we all just step back, this whole world is moving on momentum, and that is our number one problem as a race. We're moving in the way that our ancestors have been moving, and we don't, no one ever just stops and goes, whoa, 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 let's just settle down and talk this over. Let's have a 30-day summit where we all, the leaders of the world, get together and try to figure out how are we going to redesign the human race to make us all function together? How is there going to be a, a, a reasonable distribution of the natural resources of the earth so that one country doesn't grow rich because they have the fucking missiles and the nuclear bombs and that somehow or another it's distributed amongst everyone so we get to some sense of fairness and all work together to make sure that people don't have too many fucking babies so we don't run out of food on this crazy rock. Like, let's, let's, let's organize this thing let's do it together Mm -hmm. the only way that's going to happen is the kids that are in college right now who are listening to shit like this who are going online and researching the world and looking at things in a way that we never had the uh, the ability to and the access to information that we never had access to and they're they're getting a chance to see the world from a fresh eye and fresh perspective and realize that this is some weird thing where we're all running in the same direction hoping that someone knows where we're going They're the they're they're the future. You you college motherfucker with the bong right now. This is for you. And the, the, the change responsibility the world. for those kids is figuring out a way to, to sift through all the information. There'll be some in the system right now that will be sensitive to it, and the next wave will integrate. And the next wave of people that are trying to be politicians will be like Gary Johnson, will be like Ron Paul. They'll realize there's freedom and love in in in, in telling the truth and really trying to do the right thing instead of being some bitch to a corporation, which is what most comp- most politicians are. Most politicians are little hookers. They stick their ass up in the air, and some corporation comes by and drops some money in their pussy. And that's what they are. And that's, that's what we have to realize. We don't, you don't have to be like that. 
what the fuck? Who cares? The Fear Factor guy and the guy from The Hangover 2 are gentlemen. telling you how to run this world. Right. Bye, Jillette. Take Jillette. notes. Take, take I notes. blame the weed <laughs> for the last five minutes of this rant. This has been a good podcast. But it's true, man. You know, and I, and I hear, and not to say that this is why we're doing it, but I, I hear it all the time that this podcast changes the way people think. And uh, I think, uh, you know, having a guy like you in my life has definitely changed the way I think. And um, I think... You know, all of us together, we, we help each other. And I'm, I'm very happy and, and very proud that we can they can put out this resource, not just for entertainment, this, this podcast, but also, you know, it, it gives you an opportunity to hear another point of view that you might not come in contact with in your life. I don't know too many people like you, you know, it's, and it's hard to cultivate them. I've done a real good job of trying to keep as many interesting people in my life as possible because mm. I think it's, it's enriching and I, and I love, you love conversations with you. We have the craziest fucking conversations, yeah. but we have had more on a regular basis since I put together this podcast than we have in the last few years. I know. That's why I like doing it. That's why I call I you up. I'm like, I want to do your podcast so we can hang out and talk. Yeah. We're, we're, we're it's, very I mean, lucky. You get busy in life, but it's, you it's, do get this, busy. This is so, this is actually, these are great conversations that we have. They're fucking that, awesome. That, that you never really do when you're just hanging around because a lot of it's grab ass you're just getting distracted yeah. by a bunch of other people but it's when focused you're, when you're forced to sit down and focus and yeah. talk about what's important to you you figure things out as you're talking well you could know? you imagine all the people that are if you imagine if you're standing in front of 400,000 people you would never f be, feel so free to talk and That's be right. boring <laughs> and, and my god you'd be you terrified I'd be, I'd be releasing doves <laughs> <laughs> I'd do whatever I could, man. Fucking 4,000 people. We did 50 with uh, with Jimmy Norton. We did a crowd of 50, and it was definitely a different experience. Yeah. We're going to do more of those. We're going to do yeah. more of those. Um, uh, we got three this week. We got uh, Ren is Easy tomorrow, and then we got Doug Benson on Wednesday. All right, bitches. Uh, thank you to the Fleshlight. If you go to JoeRogan.net and click on the link and enter in the code name Rogan, you'll get 15% off the number one sex toy for men. You want one? Did I ever give you one? Uh, no. I got no, some. No. Oh, yeah, you yeah, you gave me one. I gave you one? Yeah. Did you use it? Did you no, fuck holes in it already? I don't know what you're talking about, Joe. <laughs> Listen, subscribe to uh, Death Squad on uh, iTunes. It's uh, Brian Reichel, a.k.a. AKA Red Band. He's got a, a whole network of funny comedians that we were, f we're all friends with, and they have uh, uh, a bunch of different shows. Your Mom's House with Tom Segura is particularly excellent, as is the, the Skeptic Tank with Ari Shafir. That's a fucking awesome one. And then The Naughty Show with Sam Tripoli. We have Lexi Bell tonight on The Naughty Show. And the Naughty, and yeah, they're, they're really fun and if you're looking for you know some free entertainment it's available on itunes and on desquad.tv san francisco this weekend almost sold out get on it bitches come, come don't to, uh, sleep i got a lot of new shit i haven't come, been come in to, uh, uh, edmonton comics yeah this come week. to where where's it edmonton, edmonton comics in alberta canada yeah which is the shit come so uh me sam tripley and tom segura at um cobbs I believe it's Thursday, Friday, Saturday. I think Saturday's already sold out, and most of Friday and Thursday are sold out, too. Sal's Wednesday. Sal's Wednesday. This uh, this Wednesday, Sal's Comedy Hole in L.A. 8 o'clock. Yeah, if you go to salscomedyhole.com, it's a very fucking sketchy place. They don't have real, like... That's no, great. It's really... Dip. You can't, like, buy tickets online. You can RSVP, though, and there's call only call up and RSVP. Yeah, there's only 80 seats. But it it fills up, and it's fun, and... It's and, like an old-school New, yeah. uh, New York kind of spot where they did alternative comedy, you know what I mean? It's a good place to fuck around. Um, I sometimes will go on stage with just an idea there yeah. and just rant. Yeah. You know, it's it's a really it's only like I eight got or ninety people. Shazam, me too. I'm gonna do it first. Oh uh, shit! Yeah. My, my, I'm gonna write my Prince note as soon as we get out of here. All right, ladies and gentlemen, thank you very much. We'll see you tomorrow. I love you, bitches. Mm -hmm.